welcome to Clotheslines and Headlines 2.0. Take it away, Ryan Gray. North-South Connection. Welcome back to Clotheslines and Headlines 2.0, I guess. Episode 8. Rocco Martone, Mike Rossi, what's going on, guys? Well, good to see you guys. Good to hear from you. Episode 8 is great. Fucking Yogi Berra, uh, one of the greatest Yankees of all time, number 8. So it's uh, it's going to be a good episode. Yeah. Rossi, how you doing, bud? Yeah, man. Re- WrestleMania 8 was one of my favorites. Um, I was a big fan of the macho and uh, and flair build with the Miss Elizabeth pictures. I still wish I saw those pictures, but hey, beggars can't be choosers, right? Yeah, you slide me a 20, I'll hook you up. Oh. Uh, now we have a first-time guest, I guess, here. Uh, Logan, we kind of dropped the ball on you last time. Episode 2, we had you. And uh, a little snafu on the Skype, eh? Uh, but, you know, my fault, whatever. But here we are. Finally get you back in the saddle, and I guess this is your debut after a test run. Is that how we're going to go with it? I, I guess so, yeah. I kind of forgot that, I, that that was a lost episode. But, yeah, I guess I'll be making my second appearance, but technically not, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was a lost-ish. Like we got it out with no hiccup. It's just that 90 minutes we did with you, we just kind of redid <laughs> when you weren't available. So eh, it kind of is what it is. But that was six episodes ago, or seven, whatever, wherever we're at now. <laughs> so guys, the news. One pill makes you larger, and one pill makes you small, and the Let's jump right into it. The news this week. Logan Paul versus Roman Reigns was announced for Crown Jewel on November 15th in Saudi Arabia. Last week, Roman Reigns did the Impulsive podcast, and after Roman left, Paul planted seeds of wanting to challenge Roman and take the belts from him. It gained a lot of steam, leading into a big announcement uh, Friday afternoon before SmackDown. It was announced that there will be a press conference on Saturday, and the press conference will be in Las Vegas, Nevada. And the press conference will be to announce Roman Reigns versus Logan Paul in Saudi Arabia. Logan Paul opened up SmackDown that week, and Paul Heyman returned, flanked by Sami Zayn, the Usos, and the NXT North American champion, Solo Sokoa. And, you know, yada, yada, yada. They had their opening segment, which brought us to the next day and that awesome press conference. Now, did you guys happen to catch the press conference? Any of you? I did. I did. I watched it before recording today in the shower. Once you get through the fluff, it's about 15, 20 minutes of, uh, hey, man, it's football season. I got to crunch for time, dude. It is what it is. (laughs) I, I did enjoy Triple H doing his Dana White cosplay. Was, uh, oh, baby face, baby face <laughs> Triple H Dana White is amazing. Yeah, that's pretty good. I thought it was a very clean press conference. I thought it was light. Obviously, it was kayfabe driven, but I uh, I enjoyed it. A little less drama than the AEW side, but still very effective. I kind of prefer the AEW nonsense of like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. But in a kayfabe world and uh, whatnot, it made the event for Saudi Arabia feel big and special and uh, this seems to be a theme in for upcoming events too Triple H seems to like the press conference vibe and you know it did give me Wrestlemania 8 vibes speaking of 
Mike Rossi's comment a few minutes ago. So overall, guys, I thought this was a hit. It's kind of weird that it's about two months out, but hey, I'm here for it still. Oh, Rocco, what what did you think? Are you excited for Logan Paul? I know he's half your age, we'll say, and uh, <laughs> whatnot, but I know you, he's, you're wishy-washy on him, more washy than wishy, but I don't I know. Like, I like plenty of people half my age. Um, um, yeah, he uh, is not someone I like. I don't really care for him. I think his... Uh, it's to me like I think we said earlier that it's it's like him as a babyface is like trying to make Mayweather a babyface, which is funny that their careers are linked together by having a fake boxing match a few years ago, which they did mention quite a bit at the press conference. They kept bringing that up where it's like we want to call attention to the fact that he had like one of the biggest fake matches of all time. But um, it's a really strange match. I'm happy it's in Saudi Arabia where I don't really have to pay too much attention to it. Um, it's it's obviously that. This Saudi prince is a star fucker like every other of these dictators like uh, Putin and King Jong-un who wants a picture with this famous dude, maybe to impress his kids because he's a big famous guy and he wants them over there. Um, I don't know, man. Like just the idea of Logan Paul having dinner with this piece of shit fucking uh, Ben Salmon fucking dictator asshole is such a bizarre concept to think about. Um, Do you think Vince McMahon is going to take the flight over there? Because hasn't he been at every single one of these? Doesn't he go over there every time? It's kind of interesting to think of them going over there without him, right? Well, if Vince got to, if they got to get their money from the Saudi prince, Vince is going to be there to get his fucking money like last time. So God forbid if WWE wrestlers need to be held up, Vince is getting his money. <laughs> 50, 50 million a show. One of these Saudi shows has, has generates more income than the, like the last five WrestleManias have, which is just insane. So if Logan Paul's something that these dudes want and they want that 50 mil, then whatever, man. Very strange idea for a match, and uh, I don't know. It doesn't really excite me. What about you guys? Now, Logan, the the setup was set up. If you listen to the verbiage in the press conference, it's like, yeah, I've been champ for three years or for two years, and this guy's had two matches. Um, pretty much all his followers are brought to me. Uh, and then it kind of Michael Cole insinuating, how is Logan going to respond if he gets knocked down? So all signs pointing to the tribal chief retaining as he should. Now, do, what do you, Logan, assuming that's the result and you agree, what do you think the, the fallout for Logan will be? And is this a necessary step in that road or is it kind of the tone Rocco's vibing with where he's kind of just cashing in at a weird time and let's just kind of fit this round hole into a square peg or whatever? Yeah, I, th- I think his whole thing with the social media and YouTuber stuff is kind of, you know, that, that, that expanded his reach. You know, he has so many followers on YouTube and so many you know subscribers and stuff like that. I think that makes him sexy to like the Saudi Arabian government or whatever, the dictatorship or whatever you want to call it. But uh, I think that they kind of rush this match for that reason. Cause I think they're trying to get like a big name that they'll recognize and that they'll, you know, freak out about. And maybe the, you know, the, the dictator will be real excited to show his kids like, Oh yeah, I got to meet Logan Paul or whatever. But um, I think they kind of rush this one. Uh, I think Logan Paul has been impressive in the ring in the matches that he's had so far. Um, but I think this might be a little too big of a step to do this early. I think this could have been done at a later point and maybe, uh, maybe been a little better, but I, I, I'm kind of excited to see the match. Cause like I said, Logan Paul has been impressive in the ring so far and Roman's having the run of his run of his life. So, um, I, I'm excited to see the match, but I do think it's a little bit rushed for sure. Yeah. And Rossi, they use the word spectacle a lot 
in the build for this, Michael Cole, Triple H. Now, the Paul brothers, pretty much that's their vibe, spectacle. If it's if it's Logan versus Floyd Mayweather, if it's Jake versus the washed-up boxers or the UFC fighters. Now, spectacle is a strong word. Do you think this match will live up to it? And where are you vibe-wise with this? I think spectacle is the right word because, I mean, that's what all of these Saudi shows are, right? It's this huge spectacle. Um, and, right. you know, it, it doesn't <laughs> always have, yeah, it doesn't always have, like, the like excitement behind it here. But, you know, over there, it's, like, the biggest thing going, right? And, I mean, Saudi is definitely one of those countries that's huge with YouTube because they they probably don't have, like, all their other facilities like we do with cable and whatnot so these guys live on youtube i know they have like their hours that they're allowed to use internet and stuff so they're probably you know big logan paul fans watch all the paul brothers fights i'm curious if this is a way to intro jake into the wwe doors too maybe have him in his corner i mean you got to think that somebody's going to be in logan paul's corner he's not going to go into this match with the bloodline alone uh, i know they tease a little bit with ricochet but that could be kind of the, the kicking off point to what they end up doing with war games too which i know we'll get into in a little bit here um but i really do think ultimately this match was supposed to be um tyson fury but then fury decided to take another fight so then they probably had to quickly divert over to you know some other big spectacle match and obviously didn't want to do your goldbergs or your brocks again so um, it really probably is one of their only choices um, without, you know, jobbing somebody else out that you might not want to have face Roman yet. So um, I'm, I'm cool with it, um, especially because there's other rumors out there that maybe we get Brock Lashley on the show, too. Um, we'll see what they end up doing with the build of the card. But, I mean, I definitely think you'll have to do some some serious work rate type matches on this show as well, which they, they have done, I think, like last year with Edge and uh Edge and Rollins. So, um, yeah, I'm not like very excited for the match, but I feel like the day of the show, I kind of will be just because I want to see how he does. You know, I I liked his match with Miz. Um, I liked everything he did at Mania. And, you know, I mean, Roman's not, and Roman's going to make him look good. So, uh, so it's somebody that I would trust being in the ring with the Paul brother. And, uh, you know, like, it's like we always say, this isn't a match for us, but it is a match for, a market that WWE is really trying to, you know, adhere to right now, which is that like teenage crowd. And that's a big sticking point on why Logan Paul's with the company. So for that, I understand it's, it's a global brand. It's not just for us marks anymore. I'd like to hear Logan Paul try to explain like the Saudi autocratic monarchy to like his YouTube subscribers. <laughs> that's the, uh, the one I want to hear the podcast. I want to hear him try to describe where he's going and what the place is like. I mean, the man described him as a table, himself as a table, so he's a wordsmith for sure. <laughs> I didn't see that. That made me think of, like, the Botchamania thing when it's like, I am the table. Um, <laughs> like, as soon as he said that, like, I just started instantly cracking up laughing. Well, he is oh, also he, a maverick, guys. So, <laughs> Well, he better watch out, because if he goes to Saudi Arabia and pulls the shitty pole in Japan and uh, says any kind of stuff or does anything religiously uh, insensitive, he will not be coming back. Yeah, I was going to say, hopefully he can go searching for some dead bodies and see how that lines him up oh, there. Jeez. Yeah, <laughs> All right, one last thing on the subject before we go. Over, under 10 minutes. Go, Logan. Over. Rocco? No, I'm taking under. Ooh, Rossi, break it. Over. Over. There'll, there'll be a lot of bullshit. It'll be over. Yeah, it'll be very bullshit heavy for sure. Ooh. Now, and then Jake Paul, if he beats Anderson Silva the week before this... There's a, probably a good chance that he'll be in his corner. If he loses to Anderson Silver, 
if they're if those fights are real or not then we'll see is kind of the vibe that i understand and i'm going to probably think they're probably going to want to go with there if he kicks out of one roman finishing maneuver it's going to make me infuriated <laughs> <laughs> i'm kind of on the under two rocco i'm like i understand the bullshit's going to be there and they're going to make shit happen but it should be under 10 minutes <laughs> agree i want hope 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 and then just crush the fucking dude and that's it goodbye and it's like since it's saudi it doesn't have like they could with the saudi shows they could make it part of their canon as much as they want you know what i mean so they could kind of sweep it that it even happened on the rug if they really wanted to or you know whatever it's easy for them to kind of just do this and kind of forget about it if they really wanted to i think roman will kind of want to make a fool of him and just beat his ass for you know five or six minutes and then you know logan will get his hope spot and then he'll finish him off at the end but no, that's know. yeah that's kind of cool though yeah that's what i think the Roman shit talking is just going to be epic to this, yeah, yeah. this punk-ass kid, you know? So, all right. The next story here is White Rabbits. Throughout the weekend on the house shows, we saw 90-second clips of White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane th- playing through the uh, common, com- like commercial breaks on Raw and SmackDown and on the house shows randomly. It's a beautiful – it was a beautiful, eccentric, extremely well-done – video well it wasn't really a video but a presentation that they did uh it really kind of grabs you in a way it's simple but it's it's just beautiful it's just the best way to describe it honestly it's a you know it's it's an awesome song and then just the sentiment of potentially being bray and then just the looks and the and the people in the crowd looking around and the ambiance of it is just kind of like special like so it's just like it totally grabs you um white the white rabbit is actually a song about alice in wonderland where uh when they hits the peak of the song uh the red lights start flashing in the ring and the in the uh the lyrics when the red lights start flashing is remember when the dormouse said feed your head feed your head uh rocco hopefully my voice kind of lived up to the 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 tone <laughs> there um you know, you mentioned that my my voice is kind of scratchy tonight, so that's probably an excuse of why I wasn't able to get to that pitch. You're anyway. not, you're no Grace Slick, but you're okay. <laughs> and also, the song is also a veiled allegory for drugs, and it's kind of like one of the first big drug songs that was kind of was on the radio that was played. You know, it was uh, kind of scandalous that they snuck all the drug references in on the radio back then as a big hit. Yeah, and uh, Bray Wyatt and drugs is probably pretty similar. So mm. yeah. That's that's probably key. Um, now, with the Firefly Funhouse being part of the Fiend character, there was an actual white rabbit in the Funhouse. I'm sure many of the signs pointing to Bright returning uh, in a, uh, is also wrapped up within this song in a way, too. Adding the QR code from Raw at 923 p.m., having the white rabbit hang, which led to a white rabbit like hangman skit spell out thing which spelled out you did and the question being who killed the world you know again bray wyatt vibes and then there's a viral clip of cult leader bray wyatt saying you did to michael cole referring to like fucking shit up or whatever you know um and that same night alexa bliss in her promos said in her promo her words were like you're 10 feet tall in her in, in her you know you know is that a thing you know is that a coincidence we'll see i guess but you know that's a ver you know that's a line in the song so 
you know, it's cute. And she also brought her little doll. Now, I don't think she had her little doll in the past, but whatever. She had, she had just stopped bringing it. Mm-hmm, yeah. And, and then she randomly brought it back. So, Correct. you know, we'll see. Um, and then again, there was a skit going around where Alexa and Bray were together in the funhouse. So, again, <laughs> you know, just all signs pointing to Bray. Uh, now there's a meme going around with Braun, Dexter, Cross, and Scarlet as Funhouse characters. Um, you know, the the rabbit being Cross, Huskus the pig being Braun, the witch being Scarlet, and Dexter being uh, the weirdo fucking puppet with... Yeah, you get the vibe. <laughs> um, now, it's just... There's all these signs are pointing to Bray, and it's just like, are these assholes really sucking us in and making this gonna make this thing fucking work? Uh, it's it's very is Triple H able to hone in all Bray's nonsense and creative juices and actually tell a layered, compelling story here that it actually has always had the potential to be, or is this still gonna be like a half baked, you know, microwave? lasagna (laughs) layered hot but super cold it's just dinner like what like what is this like is that are they really gonna make this work like is this really going to be a thing all this is actually compelling the song's beautiful the the hints of bray have been there if you really pay attention if you really want to look into it um or is this the red heron bray's eventually going to be here i do agree but or is this a red herring and it's like actually Cross, who had like, a, and not related to Bray, who had a white rabbit stable in Lucha Underground. Or it's just like, <laughs> like a stupid Bad Bunny thing, which it's not, but Bad Bunny, white rabbit, whatever, you know, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but all the signs are pointing to, pray, to Bray. If I was a betting man, I would pick Bray. Jeez, uh, I don't know. Uh, where are you at on this, Logan? Yeah, I, I definitely think it's a Bray. I think Cross will absolutely be involved with the White Rabbit kind of thing, where he was the White Rabbit in Lucha Underground. I think he's definitely involved somehow. I don't know if they're going to do all the characters from the Funhouse or anything like that, but I think that would be a cool idea. It would kind of get a way to kind of really present these guys as strong, strong characters, and they don't necessarily have to talk because Bray's uh, able to talk for – and make make them look uh, awesome and in, in doing so because uh, you know that's always been his strength. I don't really think he's gonna have to hone in the. I don't think Triple H is gonna have to worry about honing in the character. He's just gonna have to keep Bray motivated in the ring this time because you know at points in the past the character's been really great, the mic work's been really great, uh, but he's kind of lost his uh, his touch in the ring and he's gotten out of shape a few times throughout his uh, previous runs so i think as long as he can keep his head in the game and keep him uh kind of kind of keep him uh, in in shape i think uh, it'll be a good run for him but i definitely think it'll be bray but i do think cross will be somehow involved because of the uh, rabbit rabbit stuff interesting now rocco as an acid guy yourself like do you get the bray wyatt vibes where are you at i'm more of a mushroom guy but yeah i i it's always like right no they mentioned mushrooms in the song, right? Oh, uh, yeah, I believe them. so. I mean, yeah. mushrooms, you could at least drive home in like four hours. Acid, that's like 24 hours of bullshit. <laughs> I, I'll take I your think, word for it. <laughs> I think, like Logan said, with the getting out of shape, it's like, I think it's hard to, like, you know, this guy's super talented and has a lot of ideas. And it's like, and once you have this great character and then you got to lose to Goldberg, 
or Taker or get a fucking Seth and all this shit. It's like, yeah, then you just go fuck it. So maybe without like Vince ADD, like you'll we'll finally see what this could have been because there's no way Vince fucking got that character. You know, like he just couldn't. So like, and it was always being cut off at the fucking knees. So the so I'm excited for it, and I I think it could be really cool. Um, the the idea that the fucking Lucha Underground is now going to be canon in the WWE, <laughs> fucking insane. It's fucking Mariposa and the fucking the butterfly going to come in too. Um, well, you know, <laughs> my greatest hope is now finally, if you're going to say the White Rabbit, now Paul London can finally come back. Vince yeah. is dead, right? He was fired because he laughed when Vince was going to die initially. Vince is dead. Paul London was in that group, so I want Paul London back for the run he should have had, and uh, that's going to be the best thing that comes out of this. All right, now, Rossi, what did we miss? Any nuggets that we didn't unlock? And where are you at on this? Sure. So I think it's cool. I mean, any anytime there's weird shit like this, like I definitely devote way too much time to it. Um, and it's not even that, like, I'm really thinking about who it is because I feel like it's kind of obvious, like, the, the D's and the letters were the same ones that he used on a couple of his t-shirts um then you know when they're spelling out and they're doing the hangman they spelt out demon and then uh z-i-u-y which means a spiritual person who often relies on intuition for decision making um so i mean all of that shit's done for a reason right um and then like something that we haven't talked about but it's been kind of going around um on the internet this week and i've never noticed it on raw but there's been these like crows backstage um, that have been kind of bandied about in the background of segments. Um, and they're holding like light bulbs um, and it's been going on for a couple months now. Um, so that may or may not even be connected to all of this shit. Um, but something else to kind of harpen back on um, back on the 4th of July, Bray Wyatt tweeted um, anyone in here know anything about self Arkansas. Um, and you know, you do a search on that um, and something with the devil's hole. So basically at that point, someone dug up, you know, they did a Google search with that. It went to this website called Underground Ozark. Um, and the background of that was retweeted by the guy that that Kyle Scarborough guy that does all of his masks. So it did the fiend mask. Um, and it said Bray responded to him or something that says the man in the wood lives uh, ever been to the Ozarks. But what's really cool about that is the moderator of that website is named the White Rabbit. So there's all things that tie back to it. Um, and then another thing that kind of caught my eye this week, um, the the theory segment when, when he was backstage, um, it said, come with me. His very first um, song or his very first um, song, his very first promo in FCW, he closed by saying, come with me. So it seems like there could be, some tiebacks to a lot of different Bray Wyatt layers, not even just the fiend here. Um, and then furthermore, Jefferson airplane also has, it's called let me in as well. Um, which obviously is the, the Firefox firefly Funhouse Bray, which could have also tied into, you know, picking that song. Um, it's curious to me. And if they got rights to that song, because they don't typically do that. Like, not like, like a Tony Khan does when he'll buy a song. Um, and then furthermore, you know, when they were doing that hangman thing, everything was being crossed out in X's. So the big thing about the Extreme Rules poster, everybody's talking about like the lantern and the fireflies in the background, but the X is the same X that they used in that. So I actually do think that the Extreme Rules debut is what we'll get here for whatever it is. Um, but overall, it's really just going to come back down to the fact that 
you know, they're going to keep teasing us with these things. Like, I don't think that on 923, um, you're going to actually see Bray Wyatt show up on SmackDown, but I think you'll get another teaser that just kind of gives more clues out. And when you think about Extreme Rules, it's what, two weeks from Saturday. So we're not too far out from that. So they don't have to go too long with this. I hope that they really do that White Rabbit song because that is such a fucking electric live experience. Um, and you know, at the very least, I hope we get that when we have SmackDown here in town a couple of weeks from now. So, um, yeah, I'm super curious about where the layers of this are, and there's so many different aspects of it that I haven't probably even caught on to yet, but, you know, that's what I'm here for. So we'll get that dug up, and we'll figure it all out in the next couple of weeks, and I'd be shocked if it wasn't him. Yeah, so I think it's – I definitely think it's him, but I kind of think we're going to get to The Fiend and then slow – I mean, then quickly become, like, Swamp Cult leader, and he's going to be a leader, but he's not going to be The Fiend but it's going to have like aspects of the fiend and we're going to have like a Stokely Hathaway, the firm MJF type of reveal where all these moving pieces come together at once. And we kind of don't really see it coming, but we will once we see it coming. So if like that vibe, not like exactly how they did that, but the vibe, how those like parts kind of were separately molded and then they just kind of came together and made a group. And, and since Bray is a guy who has multiple personalities, there could be the Jefferson airplane, and then he goes Jefferson Starship yes. version, and you know he could come out to build this city or you know set the night to music. It could be a whole new thing. So I like it. Yeah, it's totally layered. It has a lot of potential, but at the end of the day, it has a big chance to be an ice cream headache in just parts of things that don't really make sense, which leads to bad TV. Once you know little aspects of things don't get stretched out and don't get played out and it's just it's just it's a little risky but under the triple h umbrella honing in all those creative juices and making it work i would be willing to definitely give it a shot but i would you know my my antennas of skepticism would be heightened of course due to the past of nonsense but you then again you can always point that to you know triple h or to vince mcmahon and whatnot of two of course but then again there's been so much shit on bray's plate the last tw- 10 years on tv that it's it's a little dicey track record wise so it's definitely intriguing so far it's been great that song and presentation has been awesome but definitely they got me in 2019 with the fiend leading up to the SummerSlam. but then the booking just got so bad so quickly and it was very extremely spotty so that's that. Uh, we all seem pretty optimistic and excited about it, so that's cool. Seems to be working. And I think Bray should be like a spectacle kind of. He might he should have like a Roman schedule. He shouldn't wrestle all the time. He can be on TV all the time if he wants to be and you know cut promos and stuff. But he definitely doesn't need to wrestle like a lot because he'll get why he'll get watered down real quick doing that. And I think that that he works best when he can kind of have something built to a big match and just kind of wrestle here and there. And good point. And also, they have three hours on Monday. Like, I have no problem with him doing some weird shit instead of, like, you know, I don't need all – I don't need 20-minute matches every match on <laughs> Raw. So, like, yeah, I kind of like the idea of him giving him some time on Raw and stretching that out. So I like that. It's a perfect place for him right now. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, just to put a cap on this, he was extremely leaned on in an empty arena when there was no fans, when there was not a lot of in-ring wrestling, and that damaged him instead of helping him in – they figured that it would, but then again, half-baked idea, half-cooked lasagna, layers of shit that didn't really pan out to much. So it's just it's just the break for the last, what, 
eight, 16 to 18 months has been great for him. And, it, you know, it should be a real resurgence on his part on the way back under the new management. But we'll see. Hopefully by the next episode, we have enough information in front of us to have an answer or leading into the pay-per-view where Rossi kind of laid it out where it probably will happen. All right. The final news segment of the week is War Games. On the ringer, Triple H announced that War Games is coming back to the Survivor Series and there will be a women's and a men's match separately. He also mentioned that Raw vs. SmackDown is not an element of War Games. And I'm not sure if it's a complete element of Survivor Series, but the War Games will be storyline-driven and not fudged into a Raw and SmackDown fake vibe that is most more than likely the thing that happened in, for Survivor Series the last few years. So overall, I think that's a good call, but I kind of wish that he didn't really have to... In a way, I wish he didn't drop the, the bombshell of bringing back War Games. Why couldn't it organically have gotten there? You know, that would have been a little cooler. Um, Survivor Series is sold out. It's the third. It's three pay-per-views away. A Crown Jewel and Extreme, Extreme Rules on deck and double deck. Um, so I'm not really sure why he had to drop that on a random Monday morning that War Games are coming back. We're, again, we're sold out. Three pay-per-views away. And I don't know. Like, let the orga- – like, you mentioned that – Raw vs. SmackDown was forced, so why are we, you know, we're smart fans, you know, we're, we're kind of ardent and whatever, but why couldn't we, now we're going to be like, oh, this is leading to war games, duh, why couldn't we organically get there and the big announcement, you know, p- just pop up, so I'd like to see in two months if that's the, re- you know, if that's like, why did he announce it early, am I wrong for that, Logan, what do you think? Well, I think it gets you hyped for the the idea that that's going to be a thing, and it's not just going to be the same old, same old kind of Raw versus SmackDown kind of stuff that's not for anything. Um, I do think on top of the War Games, they need to make you know uh, what who whatever team wins whatever whatever whichever match the women's or the men's that they all get title shots or they get to you know be GM for a week or something like that, kind of like they did with the Survivor Series back in. 2004 where the team got to be the gms for like the consecutive five weeks after that or something something to that effect but i I think there definitely needs to be a stipulation on top um i'm excited to have it there i think it it was really good uh most of the time in nxt i think they pulled it off pretty well um so i'm excited to see what they can do with it on the main roster i have to feel the bloodline has to be involved somehow but i'm kind of interested to see what the other team uh, might be Rocco, does this have to be the bloodline? It seems like it. Um, it's it's one of those things, like you said, where now that we know what's happening, it's going to be interesting. Like if they're all of a sudden new alliances start forming, and but it's still two months away, so it's kind of in the back of people's heads. But uh, yeah, I mean, it kind of seems like it's perfect for the bloodline. I think bloodline no Roman, by the way. I think it's a. Uh, that was my next question. Yeah. So the prestige of the first WWE main roster war games, the hottest act, the biggest group in forever the bloodline kind of should be you know leading one of the teams into war games to kind of put a stamp on the prestige of the first main roster war games you would think um you could always do roman and seth for for the title has kind of been the rumor and the vibe in a way um coming off the rumble match there was always said later in this year there's going to be a big roman reigns versus seth rollins match that's why it was a dq yada 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 so you think that Survivor Series is the perfect place for that. So I kind of like the idea of not 
needing Roman if Sammy's still in the bloodline or if Sammy's not still in the bloodline. That's, you know, another chance for him to be on the opposing team with, say, I don't know, KO, KO's new buddy Gargano and fill in the blank. Probably too early for Champa, even though that was a cool meme going around. But say, fuck, I don't know, fill in the blank, whatever, third wrestler. But Ricoch- Ricochet would be a good in there. Probably. Yeah, Ricochet ain't a bad one. Ricochet's been in war, a war games or two himself. So he has the experience, too, that he's perfect for the war games to be flying around, doing moonsaults and all that jazz. But my third guess, I mean, my fourth partner is actually Logan Paul. Okay. So he's connected to Sammy and KO in the past, WrestleMania 37. And he uh, he's just going to be facing Roman. And then the 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 Cleveland thing with Gargano, you can kind of fudge that together. So that's kind of a little colliding worlds there. And honestly, athletically, he would fit really well. And uh, star power wise, he, I don't think I don't think he has to be screwed <laughs> in War Games, but he could put up a a strong fight and he could get another crack at the bloodline in War Games. So that's my four. Rossi, I know you guys got you got a fourth. I mean, you probably have a war game match you want to throw at us. Rocco, do you have one off the top of your head? I think, like I said, like we just said, that whole bloodline Owens DIY, like Ricochet would be a, a thought. Just a mix of that. Yeah. Like Rossi, what's yours? Is it, it does it have to be the bloodline, or is it like are we something else? What do you think? So. Uh, I do have an idea if it's not the bloodline, um, but before we I get into that, so I mean maybe it's not Zane, maybe it is Drew McIntyre and friends, um, maybe it's um, Imperium. I don't think that that's going to happen, but um, but let's let's that gets me to my next idea. So what if you want to still have a Reigns title match on Survivor Series, um, and you don't want to do bloodline without Reigns, so then you continue on with Imperium. Um, you get them a fourth friend. Um, I don't know if Thatcher is going to be coming back anytime soon, but there are some surprise returns on the awning, supposedly. Yep. Um, so let's say you give Thatcher to Imperium, and that's four. And then you give Drew the Brawling Brutes, who are these massive baby faces all of a sudden. Um, I mean, I don't. I think I personally want to see that match more than anything in a, in a War Games. Um, but there's so many other questions that I have, like with it being Survivor Series, do we maybe tweak the rules on war games so it becomes elimination? Um, and if if that's the case, or if that's not the case, do we still have the four and four or five on five matches on on top of that? Because um, these war games matches are long matches; they're like 25, 30 minutes tops, I mean, minimum. Um, you're gonna maybe bookend the show with it. You your pay per views now are like three and a half, four hours on the big shows. So now you're talking about. You know, maybe you do some Survivor Series matches as well, but then those are longer matches too. Um, but it's a way to get more people on the card. Um, and then that's just talking about the men's match. What are they going to do with the women's match? We're going to have a whole nother conversation about that. Um, we'll we can kind of, yeah, we can kind of see in like the awnings with some of that stuff building up too. But um, I mean, yeah, all the ideas you guys had for the babyface side there makes sense. I mean, Gargano is a war game lifer he's been in a few of them ricochet has also been in a few um i think ricochet mostly because you need somebody to jump off the cage 
Um, so, I mean, and I don't really see, I guess Zane could too, but it wouldn't be as exciting as like a ricochet, like 450 or something. So, um, I think ricochet is a good ad here. Um, and overall, you know, maybe ricochet Gargano, Owens and Zane, that'd be kind of a fun team. Um, and it would be a spot fest. So, um, I'm cool with that idea for a team. I think that is definitely a good way to, to go. And, um, they've been kind of keeping Owens, flirting with the bloodline without actually being involved with them much other than that one Uso segment. So I, I can see that all getting intertwined um, at some point for sure. And Logan, do you have anything on your end that you want to add that we haven't thought of? I, I mean, I like most of y'all's idea. I think Zane will still be on the bloodline team. I think this might be the way that they get him out of the bloodline. Maybe he takes the pin. They all get pissed on him, a uh, piss at him and uh, kick him out on like the next SmackDown or something like that. And then him and KO kind of team up and eventually take out the Usos for the tag titles. Um, but I, I think that's how, I think that's kind of how Zane gets kicked out of the bloodline as he ends up disappointing them in uh, war games somehow. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, Ricochet could be a good person to be involved for doing uh, high spots. You mentioned Logan Paul. I don't think he'll do two matches that quickly back to back. I think he's more of like a WrestleMania Royal Rumble SummerSlam kind of guy and maybe a Saudi show uh, here and there. Um, but I don't think he'll do I don't think he'll do the crown jewel match and then the Survivor Series back to back. But um, I think Gargano should be involved. KO definitely probably will lead the team uh, to kind of go up against the bloodline. So uh, I, I liked all y'all's ideas. Uh, but I can't really think of anybody else that y'all didn't mention. The uh, Imperium and Solo dropping the belt made it me an intriguing idea. You you kind of stole my thunder with Thatcher coming back. But you got Thatcher. You got Walter as the IC champ. And then somehow you get the tag belts on Barthel and um, Fabian Eichner. So then you have Roman head of the Who tag. are they? You have, mm. I couldn't think of his shoot name. Giovanni Vinci. So then you have Roman. And Kaiser. <laughs> uh, whatever. So then you have uh, Roman, head of the table, who holds the only the belts. And he puts his belts on the line so the bloodline can go get all the belts. And the bloodline beats Imperium in war games and win all the belts. So that's a that's an easy way to get the IC off Walter in a cheap way, too. So that's just a cute. I can just see Triple H being in love with Imperium and wanting to put him up with all the belts on because that's a Triple H thing. All the belts on the line in War Games and uh, adds prestige to the first War Games too. He loves Imperium. He loves you know the Bloodlines money and throwing all the belts in there on the line. I can just see Triple H just getting hard over that one. Rocco, what do you want to add? I just want to say I do agree about the lack of announcing it because that was always a thing where like because the War Games was like and having a the bloodline in there. The War Games was the Horsemen's match. It was like when the yeah. Horsemen started getting too fucking crazy, they would be like, "All right, you got you guys are doing too like you're just going rampant. We got to lock you guys in a cage so these guys so the the good guys can fucking get their hands on you with all the fuck finishes and stuff." So, and even Undisputed Era was kind of that thing when Trips was doing it in NXT. So, I feel like having the bloodline would fit the whole idea of it. You're going to really miss Regal coming out and announcing it, which I think would have been such a good pop of having someone announce it live. Because no one would have seen it. Like, we thought it would just be dead, right? No one thought that was ever going to be in the WWE. So it would have been such a cool thing. Um, you don't have uh, Regal to announce it, but I don't know. I guess Dave Taylor could come and announce it. But um, <laughs> I could just have his kid do it. He's there. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. No, I know that's Bob Eaton, but he can't, he can't do that. But yeah, man. So yeah, I just think that that's a thing where you, you could just have. And that's the problem with it being announced is like if you're going to have like 
it, Bloodline running rampant through like the company, and Drew's like, I gotta get my my guys together and fucking take these dudes and stop them from fucking everything up. It would have been even cooler if Sequoia stole the gold, whatever. We'll talk about that later. But um, yeah. So I just think that uh, it could have been a little cooler done, and uh, I do like the idea of like where you're gonna go. It's interesting to book two of them too. Like how you, you're not gonna book them both the same, right? Is is control gonna be going fucking ape shit? Damage control gonna go going ape shit, and you gotta put them in the cage with the the faces. So I, I don't know. But um, I just want to throw that in there. That is kind of like if they are if he is the Ric Flair and they are the Horsemen, it fits for them to be in war games. Yeah, I just find the match on the men's side to be way more compelling than the match on the women's side. Yes. The, women's, the women's war games are kind of always clunky in a way. Um, they're just they're just small women, you know what I mean? Like, can't go in there and take killer bumps and just... Like, sure, they can, but it's just... It's more like, why instead of, oh, shit, you know what I mean? So, I don't know, it's weird. Uh, I would just do something weird where I'd have the four horsewomen lead a team of three... Um, Charlotte, Becky return with two flanked by two other ladies, Sasha, Naomi, and fucking Tamina or whoever, and then just have the four, four horsewomen implode in the war games. And that's a cool historical angle. Uh, we'll get into it a little bit. Damage control is kind of whack, but the women's division needs kind of like a bump in the arm in uh, like a stable war of four horsewomen at the charge. It's kind of an interesting vibe. Anyone else have any, uh, out-of-the-box ideas, or is this just going to be based around Sasha? I mean, it's just it's going to be based around Bailey in her group. Logan, what do you got? Anything? I, I think it'll be based around Bailey and her group. Maybe they get Charlotte. Maybe Charlotte comes back and uh, is in there with damage control and maybe Rousey or somebody like that, and the other team could be the trio that's kind of been going around, Asuka, B- uh, Bianca, Alexa, and maybe throw in, like, or maybe throw in Sasha and Naomi when they when they eventually return. Uh, but I, I could see that being the five on five there. Yeah, this is going to be totally thrown together, Rocco. I don't really. Of course, they can totally build storyline for the next six weeks and get us there. But I don't know. They, just like we talked about two seconds ago, Triple H announcing that a women's war games is going to happen. It kind of just throws a buzz on, you know, it's just like eh, blah. What do you think? I wouldn't be surprised to see almost like uh, qualifiers to get into the war games, maybe. Too, yeah, that's a know? cute idea. That's a good idea. Or, uh, uh, you know, like a team Bailey and a team Bianca. Or, you know, it doesn't have to be Bailey or Bianca. But you know what I'm saying? Like you, uh, a captain and then or something like that. And even I think maybe it'd kind of be cool to have like maybe a mystery. You know, the last two could be a mystery partners, too, which would be a really cool way to debut Sasha or Naomi. I, I still think Naomi and Sasha don't need to be together when they come back. But. It is in Boston, and Sasha coming out as a surprise person would be fucking sick. Yes. Um, be a cool way to maybe bring Mandy up for a match too, throw her on the heel team, like you know, because we're just trying to get like some brawlers in there. So yeah, there's a couple options. You could do some crazy shit with like, I don't even know. Sasha is the is the returns as a face, and then turns in the match. Like so, you know, like you could be creative with it and use it for something big. And but I do think it's unless. Because I don't want this team of uh, Asuka, and uh, I really don't think Alexa is going to be. Uh, they can't stretch this. That's too much. Yeah, nice. I, I hope that doesn't happen. But that's just where I got. maybe live instead of Alexa. I would like to see Asuka in there, but Alexa definitely needs to kind of be shunted towards the side in this one. I think she's she's kind of spinning her wheels. Yeah, it's too awesome. long, and hopefully the change will come in her character. But 
I mean, fuck, you need a you need a Shotzi in there anyway. Like she needs to be in any kind of gimmick match because she's gonna fucking steal the show. So, yeah, I think it'll be cool just to throw a bunch in there and hopefully. I mean, the, the one women's one in NXT was pretty good that I remember. So I, I don't have as low hope in uh, match quality as you do, Ryan. But uh, definitely in terms of how they're gonna book, it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, it's just I don't know. It's just never a vibe, and Triple H ruining it just kind of makes it feel forced. Rossi, any any outside the box before we get out of here on War Games? So I like your surprise piece, and that kind of makes me think of like, what if they put a four four person women's team together, um, and like Alexa and Asuka get taken out day of the show, um, and then it's like they're they're freaking out on how to find partners. Um, Bianca and no oh, fuck, I don't know who live. We'll say um, they're freaking out. They're trying to find partners. And uh, then that's a, the way the debut Sasha and, and Naomi back. I mean, Boston, that's probably the place to do it. Right. Um, so that I like that idea a lot. Um, I, I could definitely see something wonky like that going on. Um, it is a, a something that will probably open the show. Right. Because they, they tend to do that. And one one note, too, is is Kai and and uh, EO have been in every women's war games so far. Um, I know Kai did actually not even enter the ring um, for the first one because she took out Tegan Knox, But she has been technically in the ring uh, or at, in the matches. So um that they've got the experience there that that would kind of probably help this this match um i mean it sucks that toxic attraction isn't on the main roster because they kind of fit the perfect vibe for a match like this but um yeah i I could they kind of are already building to it without you know having like firm names and stuff involved um but i think the bailey bianca feud will will bleed over to this so all right cool all right so let's hit the tv report guys that's it for the news. Alright, first of all, we hit the Roman... In the Paul, Jake Paul stuff or the Logan Paul stuff already. So let's just kind of touch on the rest of the bloodline as we kind of ease into the fall here. Uh, Solo Sequoia debuted at, castle, at the castle, helping Roman keep the title against Drew. Filled in for an open challenge and beat Carmelo Hayes on NXT for the North American Championship about a week ago. Uh, would go on to vacate that title this week. So he was the champ for a week. That's a bit odd, but I understood that the bloodline wanted to hold all the gold. We have Gunther as the IC champ. We have Lashley as the U.S. champ. We don't want to move those, and let's flank the bloodline with all the gold. So it made sense, but to uncrown him this week to set up a ladder match was a little weird. So it's just like, eh, I don't know. You know, that's that's a weird vibe right there. Um. So he's kind of in an awkward spot dropping the title like that after winning it. So I don't know. It just puts him in a weird spot. But it doesn't because it doesn't really fucking matter. But then we I the, but my thing is the vibe. Uh, I kind of love how he's into Sammy. You know, the Usos are one's indifferent, finds him a joke. The other one's constantly gaslit by him. So it's just like then you have Solo being like, I kind of like this guy. Like, I, I, I dig the vibe. Logan, where are you at on Solo's vibe in the bloodline? Does it feel forced? Does it fit? 
Are you into it? What's his upside? Where, you know, where, where is he going to, when he finally settles down on the main roster, what, you know, is he going to be upper card, mid card? Where is he at? And outside of the bloodline, does he have even have a chance? What's up? Um, I, I think ever since he had that, uh, Falls Count Anywhere match with Von Wagner. I think he's really emerged. I think he was one of the better parts of NXT 2.0 from that point forward. I think that was about a month and a half, two months ago. Um, but I, ever, ever since then, I think he's been killing in the ring. He's had some great matches. Um, it, the match with Hayes was great. Um, he had a, a match on SmackDown last week with uh, Matt Cap. I thought was really, really good. He defended. He did, he did his one North American title defense. Um, I, I don't really know what his upside is outside of the bloodline, but I think in the bloodline he fits. I mean, obviously his brothers and his cousin are in it. So, um, but I, I don't think he's forced at all. I think he, I think he's a, another killer that they can have in that group that, you know, they could send out and take out people that uh, Roman's not in favor with at that point. Um, but I, I think he could definitely be an upper mid guard. He could be an IC champ, a U.S. champ eventually. And, uh, you know, if they build him correctly and they keep pushing him in the right direction and he keeps staying motivated and keep killing it in the ring. He maybe he could be a main eventer one day, but I think that's a good bit down the road. Uh, but I definitely think he's not forced at all in the bloodline, and I like his little uh, kinship with Sammy, kind of like you do too. So I think he's a good fit, and I think he'll I think he'll have some success uh, going forward. All right, cool. Now let's touch on the Usos real quick. Tag team champs for over a year plus. Before the bloodlines, since winning the tag team championships, they've kind of had this like chummy vibe. Like they're the same, like there's there's no difference between them. They're the twins of old and they're just kind of the same vibe, chummy and chill and happy to be there. And we got our ooses back since Sammy came along. They've kind of become individuals again. Jimmy is amused by Sammy and Jay is having those gaslit vibes that he had early on in the bloodlines where Roman broke him down. Roman made him loyal by breaking him mentally and physically. So Sammy being here has really brought the anger out in Jay again, which is which is cool. Is he must be distant from Roman. Like he's trying to keep Sammy away from Roman. Now Rocco, is that low-key Jay protecting Sammy from Roman? Or does he see him as a threat in stealing attention from Roman? Jay became so loyal to Roman, so by Sammy around, he's afraid that Sammy's gonna steal some of that loyalty and shine for, from himself for, for Roman. Or right hand Jay Russo, right? Uh, or is he just fucking annoyed by Sammy? Which of the three? <laughs> well, I think there could be, he is family with Roman Reigns and how many months was he gaslit? Was he fucking treated like a fucking piece of garbage beaten? Like, right. Like, and Sammy's just like, just hanging out with the team. It's like, wait, why is this guy not getting initiated? Like, why is he, you know, I feel like there might be just jealousy of like, well, you know, I had to go through so much. And I'm your fucking family. And this dude is just fucking goofing around and he gets to hang out and eat our <laughs> catering and, you know, like hang out and smoke our good weed and shit like that. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, doesn't maybe, maybe it doesn't make sense to him why Sammy didn't have to go through that. So maybe uh, maybe it's a little bit of jealousy and uh, it's uh, just is not able to uh, keep it under wraps anymore. I would low key. I like the first one where he's protecting Sammy from the real Roman. He doesn't want him to get that close because he knows he'll destroy him. And Sammy is a vehicle to kind of get that out of those vibes out of Jay again for future storylines. So 
I'm kind of not mad at that. I wouldn't hate that scenario either. Personally, I don't think Jay Uso as a single star has like huge legs. Uh, he kind of hit his ceiling against Roman early on in the Tribal Chiefs run. So I don't know. I think Once again, like not every group needs to have some crazy breakup. You could just have you could just have character building in that group. You don't need. It doesn't have to lead to some massive thing like the New Day never had to have that, right? Like, you know, you could just have it be like it just adds more layers to Jay. It doesn't have to lead to like a crazy thing. He's just a more complex character now. So, yeah, I like how those layers are coming out because of Sammy. And I I kind of if Jay Uso is ever going to break out, it this is could be a vehicle for him to get warmed up to see if he potentially could being like, nah, dude, I'm protecting you from who he really is. And then, you know, that kind of sparks the, the the vibe between Roman and Jay again, because there is legs there if they really want to go there. I just don't see it, but I kind of like that angle, too, in a, in a weird way. And then we got Sammy, Vi- Sammy Zayn. Fantastic, as always. We, we gush about him every episode. I love how he was the closest to Roman in all the presser photos. And he's just wearing the bloodline shirt, smirking, just his beard, and he's just beating eyes and just... I don't he's just fucking fantastic in that whole thing. And I just love how he was constantly in the camera. And I don't think that was an accident. Um now Rossi, is he uh is this is he uh just window dressing to get to KO Roman? Or do they not or do they just have so much fun writing him in these bloodline stories and they don't really know where it's going and they just again, they just love him and they can't get enough of him and They'll figure it out as they go. Is is in is there a shelf life on this? And if so, how long is that? Yeah, I mean, Bloodline definitely needed has been needing somebody to eat pins, right? Um, that's what Zane's mostly done. Uh, whenever there's been somebody that has been hunting for Roman, he's kind of had to step in the way and you know eat the pinfall on the build to the match. Um, so he's had that layer there that's made sense for the entire group. Um, but I I mean, obviously you get to. KO and Owens at some KO and uh, Zane together at some point. My only thing with the Survivor Series thing like we were talking about is maybe it's it's too soon. Maybe that's a match that you do at, at Mania as a as a tag match. Um, especially if Road Reigns is gonna you know obviously keep the title it looks like until then at least right. So yeah, I, he's been really good in this and I love that like some of them like him and then there's one Uso that doesn't. It seems like Solo likes him now. It's that's been the interesting layer to it. Um, but yeah, he's been kept around mostly to be their fall guy, and and every good group needs that. Yeah, but you gotta think it's leading to something else. We'll see. All right, so I just want to you know take a little deep dive into all the bloodline opposed from just Roman, and just give them those guys their due in their five minutes of where they are, where they're heading, what they're up to, and you know what goes beyond the bloodline. If that it's not coming to an end anytime soon, but just you know whatever, you know kudos to the Usos. In the in the bloodline. All right. The second thing we want got here is Gunther and Sheamus. The fallout since the you know the epic brawl that they had at Clash of the Castle. Um, the Brutes versus the Imperium six man tag was extremely well done two weeks ago on SmackDown. Um, Sheamus has really been on a resurgence coming out of the castle. He is like on a baby face over a F kind of run here, and he was kind of as done as a dead as a doorknob as a main eventer. You know, around 2008-15, winning Money in the Bank with the Mohawk, returning it after WrestleMania. And then just he was just going nowhere fast, forced out of throat, just ugh, go away kind of heat. And just the whole 
League of Nations thing and then led to the bar and he's just kind of just been spinning and then doing great work and then ever since the really the pandemic hit and his return around then he was he's just been banger after banger after banger the gimmick's real so uh Rocco we got Butch versus in Ridge facing the Usos for the unified tag team championships this weekend the Brawling Brutes are hot man is there any chance that they take these belts I will have to say no that's it just no no scenario just no i mean it, it's cool like i like that there's a tag team that is there and you could be like oh okay now these guys could be in stuff but like i don't know ridge has done literally nothing really in the company for a while you know and it's very new i like the idea it's going to be a good match i well i don't really know how ridge uh is a uh, potential in the ring i haven't really gotten a good vibe on that guy yet but we know pete dunn's good but yeah there's no that's 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 just not happening in my uh brain uh any scenario i could picture no, but I love the build for it. You know, that that's yeah. four-way tag match. The close SmackDown was really cool. And if they wanted to close SmackDown again with this match, it, it would probably warrant it. And it would be, a, it probably would deliver, you know, so, you know. And it could be, it could be leading to, like we were saying, that one, you know, what, Sheamus and uh, Roman, you know, it seems like Sheamus is the hottest he's been now. I mean, if you're going to do a match with Roman, it'd be kind of around this time, right? Yeah. You know, Roman might be booked himself for the next few months, right. but yeah, come, you know, Sheamus versus Roman at the Royal Rumble would be fucking awesome. You know what I mean? For sure. Uh, well, speaking of jumping the gun here a little bit, my next question is, Logan, Sheamus got another main event run on him or what? At any point here? I mean, I think I think he might get a title shot somewhere. Uh, That's, what I mean. very, That's what it, I mean. It, yeah. yeah, he is very over at this point. Yeah, maybe he'll get that Rumble title shot. Uh, maybe they'll do another. Well, no, yeah, he'd probably be more fit for like a, a Rumble kind of title shot. I was going to say maybe he could get another. Uh, if they do a Saudi show in like February like they did last year, maybe he could get that. But I don't think that's a like, you know, match that the Saudis are going to be super excited about. So I could see him getting like a Royal Rumble title shot just to kind of, you know, push reins along uh, as he goes toward marches towards WrestleMania. But um, yeah, just a extended run in the, in the main event. I don't, I don't see, I think he's kind of the, you know, the enforcer of the mid card and uh, you know, people like Gunther that are coming up uh, are going to have to go through him uh, as we've seen so far. But I think that's kind of his role at this point. Yeah, man. And then we got Rossi, the brawling brutes, man, they're, they're kind of controlling the narrative of this conversation. But are they a vehicle to get Imperium with the bloodline sooner rather than later? Uh, it's the, the heel heel dynamic is so weird. Um, and like, They're I don't know. Tweeners, though. Yeah, I mean, like, like Reigns is over. It's just like, I don't know. I mean, Roots are, I, Roots are heels, though. They started at the heel. Yeah, it's they, they kind of turned when it came to the um, to everything in regards to like that, that uh, clash match. But like I'm thinking Imperium, like do we do we have a way that we get Imperium up to that level? But like I feel like Gunther's gonna have this like really long IC run, so mm-hmm. you might want to keep him away from from Reigns. Um, I think that's a situation too that if if they had split titles, you know maybe that's that's a quicker way for, to move these guys up. But I think they're kind of in that sweet spot with Gunther right now, um, in that Imperium area. Um, and then with, when it comes to the brawling brutes, like. I don't know. I feel like Sheamus is going to continue to be tied to Gunther in a way. Um, but I mean, there's, there's other things to do. I mean, it, I, who knows when a draft actually happens, but I mean, Sheamus and Lashley sounds awesome. There's a ton of matches with Sheamus that, that feel fresh all of a sudden because he's kind of been 
like lingering and like tag stuff for a while. Um, you know, he might like you run back a match with him and some people he might have feuded with like a Reigns like from years ago. It, it feels like a way fresher match. So both both of these groups have so much potential to be used in any way that they want. And like Pete Dunn is, is part of this. And, you know, he could be jumped into a match with Gunther at any point, too. So um, there's a lot of layers that they have with both of these groups and they can both be elevated to that main event level whenever they want to. But it just seems like Reigns only has so many bullets and matches here. Right. So like Logan Paul match, whatever he does at Survivor Series, and then he's probably off until day one. And then you get Rumble and then you get Mania. I don't really think like Seamus, like you're saying, like to a Rumble match. Yeah. Um, maybe even like Gunther for like a Rumble match. But are you going to really want to pin him if he's going to keep that IC title? Um, I'm hoping he keeps that IC title straight through to Mania. And maybe that's when you have a Cena match. Because um, they've been kind of like slowly teasing a Gunther Cena program on Instagram back and forth. And Cena's never had the IC title. So it kind of fits. Um, so there's a lot of, lot of areas you could do with Gunther. But I don't think that Imperium as a team is going to be on that level yet. Um, although ultimately if they won the tag titles, it wouldn't shock me. Yeah, I can see them being a vehicle to get the belts off the Usos in a, you know, like a popping way. Yeah, don't forget, Solo just lost his belt. So that could be a layer of like, hey, like what's up with the bloodline? Solo, you come in, you win a belt, now you lose it, now your cousins are losing it. And then it's just going to be kind of Sammy moves up the ladder here. They play hot potato with the tag belts, get them on Imperium. We have my little war game scenario, just a thing. But I can see, I wouldn't, like, they've been dominant. The, the bloodline as a whole have been dominant for fuck since the pandemic ended or pretty much before the pandemic, but as a whole since the pandemic ended with all the gold, right? And then they doubled down this year after WrestleMania with both of them winning double gold. So it's just been dominance over dominance over dominance. Let's add a layer where the middling of this group starts losing their titles, which makes Roman feel vulnerable about losing his titles and starts, you know, can I really trust these guys? They're losing their titles. They're losing their prestige. You know, it's, it's about being the head of the table and yeah, I'm the head of the table, but at the end of the day, I'm insecure and I need my backup is my backup starting to become weak, yada, yada, yada. So I wouldn't rule out them losing the titles. Like, cause I don't think that they all need to lose their titles at once. But including Roman is what I'm saying, but it would it would be nice to see the Usos lose their belts and then just to kind of see them kind of get their footing again and kind of put their backs against the wall a little bit just so there's some vulnerability in the bloodline instead of straight dominance. Because some people see that as repetitive and boring. I think it's fine because they do a good job of keeping guys fresh and keeping them fresh. So I'm not worried about that, but I can understand the sentiment of that. So I, I'm not against that. All right. Anyways, so. The ball, you know, that's a, that's a cool feud. The Brawling Brutes and Imperium, they've done a really good job with that. That's good mid-card stuff on SmackDown. So I just kind of wanted to highlight that. And we're in, a, we're in a weird spot where we don't have a pay-per-view ending and we're not ready to, to uh, preview Extreme Rules. So I just wanted to kind of highlight a few things. The next thing I want to highlight is or put a little low light on is Bailey and her group. Honestly, I think it's kind of lame. I had high hopes for it coming out of, coming out of SummerSlam. I had high hopes for it. It was done so well. It was surprising. It was shocking. And um, it just felt like it was going to be something big. They used them to be a vehicle for the whole women's tag team division. But it just feels empty. And um, a lot of Bailey's career feels empty outside of like the pandemic era. Um, she had her run as the ploppy 
side pony super fan where that went super deep and it was layered and it was good. But once it reached the main roster after a few years, it was kind of like been there, done that. And then when she had her resurgence as Karen, especially when she uh, teamed up with Bailey and she went on that great or she teamed up with Sasha and she had that great run. So she's had some depth, but there's definitely been periods of her time where it kind of feels like she's going through the motions a little bit. And I kind of feel that now. She feel like she doesn't really have much confidence as a character coming back. And low key, maybe in the Triple H era, they're not scripting promos as much. And she might be a example of someone who needs fully scripted promos. So there's a little yin and yang there where it's great for some people, but other people need them. And um, if if you know if performers, characters, wrestlers, whatever you want to call them, um, prefer them, maybe they should still get them. And Bailey just feels like a girl that kind of needs them, and maybe that's like a hurdle that she's maybe her the way that she's relaying the information and the stories just feels clunky, just overall clunky and uninspiring. Kind of just feels enforced in a way. Just kind of feels the vibe I'm feeling from them. I still like the three individually, and I still don't hate them. I still think there's plenty of upside there. Um, so I don't know if I'm wrong on that vibe. Uh, Rocky, Rossi, do you kind of feel my sentiment there, or what? Yeah, um, I feel like Bailey isn't confident in ring yet. Um, she's been – I don't want to say she's been sloppy in her matches, but, like – it's been your clunky was the right word. Um, she has like had these matches that like, and, and I, let, let me backtrack. I, I did like the six woman at the castle a lot, but that was a lot of EO and, and Dakota work. And I mean, those two are out of this world in the ring and I'm not saying Bailey isn't, but I don't feel like she has her legs back yet. Um, she's, you know, probably going to turn into that with Bianca and Bianca when they have the singles match. I feel like that's when that'll really turn. Um, so we're only a couple of weeks away from that, but I, I Dakota has been cast great, great in this because she is that great, like bitchy heel. Like she really excelled in that at NXT when, you know, she just had this life of being an awesome baby face. She kind of flicked the switch and was able to work the heel. EO can be a good heel when she's like that dark character, but in this, when she's like running around and being like a, like a, um, like a bad girl and like, she's just like acting bitchy. It just doesn't work for me. And I love EO. I love EO, um, and Dakota. They're just not there. It seems like Bailey's almost working too hard to get them over when she shouldn't have to, when they're kind of already over, she needs to work on getting herself in a spot where she's going to be comf- comfortable and she's going to have the hot moments. And yeah, she's still only a couple matches into this return, but I'm with you. It, it's, and it could just be as simple as they don't really have a good team to face. Like it's Bianca mm-hmm. and people that are jobbing. That's pretty much what it's been. Um, and I feel like, you know, if you had your Sasha, you know, Naomi team, like here with, um, with Bianca, then that would have obviously been a whole different layer to this group. But Alexa's been not been taken seriously in a long time. Um, she's still carrying around the fucking doll. Um, so now, and I mean, who knows if that's going to layer into White Rabbit and all that bullshit. But um, Asuka's been Asuka. Like, she's always going to be good, but she's kind of just been there to be fodder to whatever heel they have to put over. And, and that's where it's having a three-woman team 
makes sense when you have other three women teams around you. Um, without that, it just kind of felt like constantly people pushed together that are just going to end up losing at the end. And it just has kind of been miscast for everything there. And I feel like when they brought them back, they didn't maybe, maybe the big victim of this, or the reason that it's happened is because Becky got hurt. Who mm-hmm. knows where the story would have gone if Becky was not hurt. And she was working alongside an Oscar and a Bianca that immediately Becky promos as a baby here would have immediately heated up these, this heel group, but they haven't really had that fodder back and forth with somebody. Bianca's a good, decent enough promo, but I don't want to say she's a good promo. Her work is when she's in the ring and she does have good matches, but her promo and her star power is there, but it's not good enough to make Bailey like make up for where Bailey misses in that aspect where, where Becky would. So that's where I feel like, you know, they had a plan and it fell apart and Becky got hurt and they've just been kind of puzzling it together piece by piece to get to that point. Ah, interesting. You bring her up Becky. So Logan, Becky and Charlotte and even Sasa, are they just that good that everything else in the women's division just feels flat when they're not around? I mean, I definitely I agree with what uh, Rossi just said. I, th- I think Be- Becky being the missing piece here, she probably was supposed to kind of be in that Alexa slot uh, with Asuka and Bianca kind of going up against these three. I think it would be much better if she was in there. I, I-, I, li- I Trust me, I like Alexa. I just think she's miscast. I think her as a face is just that's not that's not what she should be. She, that's not what she's best at. She's best at being the, you know, bitchy, short little blonde girl that, you know, sneaks around and, uh, you know, um, <laughs> uses underhanded tactics to get what she, get what she wants and get the title and whatever she's going for at that certain point. Um, so I think Alexis kind of miscast, but I do think Becky was supposed to be there. Um, I think they miss Charlotte and miss Sasha, but I, I mean, I think I think the person that they're really missing right now is Becky. I think she was supposed to be in this kind of storyline uh, that's going on right now. So um, I, having Charlotte and Sasha back right now would be nice uh, and could add something to this. But um, I, I think Becky's really the one they're missing right now. Now, Rocco, are we just overreacting and this is just a placeholder for whatever they're getting to next? And it's just an extended placeholder. Excuse me. I maybe a little bit. I mean, you could, I could see it being a little inert, but like the whole show is still a little inert. There's still a lot of feuds that are kind of just happening with not a lot of um, energy to them, besides maybe Rollins and Riddle and whatever Roman's doing. But I think the biggest thing with Damage Control is they didn't need to be tethered to three specific people. Like they came in and now they're just with this makeshift group, but a makeshift group always looks makeshift. It always doesn't make sense that they should be able to beat a cohesive group of people, even though they've been doing it. Like it, it, there's a problem is that they don't have a lot of women on the roster still, and they still don't have feuds that are not for the title or whatever this is involving the champ. So like I wanted them to be like an NWO. So, but there's not a, they're not just running out and fucking up the company. You know what I mean? And I think that's kind of, even their name makes me think that that's what it was supposed to be. And just fucking with Bianca. So like, to me, I would have rather had her, like Bianca just is still having title defenses. If they had enough women to have like her have a defense every once in a while, that's a problem is that they just don't have a lot of bodies. Um, and Bailey's just fucking with her the whole time. I don't think she needed like the NWO wasn't in a lot of multi-person matches. You know what I mean? They were just fucking up the, the roster. And to me, that's what this group should have been like, you know, and it just wasn't that. So I see what you're saying, but um, I think it just was started in the wrong way. I think it should have been done a little differently. I still like him as a team, but yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is wheel spinning kind of stuff where 
it didn't have to be that way. I think it could have been a lot cooler to not just have him tethered immediately to that. In terms of Bailey, I still think she's a great talker. She's a, she's one of the best in-ring talkers, like guys who like bad mouthers in the ring, like the way she talks shit in the ring. I think she's great at that. And uh, I never really noticed her promo style being as uh, um, um, missing uh, something like you said. But uh, I think maybe I'm just forgiving because I like her a lot as a person. And uh, I think she's also changing her style as a wrestler. And we're watching that, too, coming back from an injury. And now she's coming back and she is being more of a uh, a bruiser, I, I guess, is for lack of a better term. She's kind of trying to be a little more dominant. So I think, yeah, there's a little growing pains in that little uh, change of uh, the way she's doing things, too. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to say you're wrong. I like saying you're wrong, but uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it seems like it is. Uh, it just needs a little something extra. And like yeah, Logan said, too, I mean, Logan have discussed SmackDown 2016, and that's the Alexa that she should always be. So, yeah, 100 mm-hmm. percent. But um, yeah, so I, I, I'll admit, I, I do agree with you. It doesn't mean it has to be, though. It could be a lot better. And that's the biggest thing that sucked. Like one thing before I forget, Ryan, one thing, too, because we're talking about this whole roster kind of feeling like people that are miscast. I love like what I love the work that Rhea is doing, and I really feel like she's doing a really good job in you know, putting that, sorry to, to make this a joke, but that like domination, like dominatrix thing in, in line when it comes to like getting um, Dom over as a heel. Um, and I mean, from all reports that were from Ron Monday, he's getting like the best heel heat that you could probably expect at this point. And a lot of that comes with like how she's kind of made him feel comfortable and it's still Dom Mysterio. Like I'm still not excited to see him on TV, but she's done really good in that role. But I miss her wrestling. Like I miss her having matches either as like the the crazy baby face that'll kick everybody's ass or even as a dominant heel. Like you think of like a war games team, she would fit in really good as a partner for Bailey and, and uh, damage control. Um, but it doesn't say like, she's beating up guys now. It's almost like she's an intergender wrestler without having the matches. And I feel like, you know, having her as a baby um, maybe makes this entire thing work a little bit better too. Um, because Alexa is just Alexa, like she's good. And, but she, I feel like she doesn't really fit into this feud. And like, I, the, the whole point I'm trying to make is that I think Rhea is kind of another piece that this woman's division probably should have pushed her to a different direction. So then you're at a point where, you know, Becky wasn't around. You still don't have Rhea. Are we sure she's hundred percent cleared after her quote unquote concussion? You're very, very possible. Or they're just being super hesitant with it. You know, I, we might have to check the uh, report back and check the house show report and see if she's getting some ring time there, because that could be it, honestly. Yeah, Rocco, just kind of check on Bailey's cadence during her promos. She's re- very repetitive. She's just very, like, pa- big pauses and just kind of seems like a little spacey. So maybe she got really comfortable in the in the pandemic era in the empty arenas where she would memorize all her stuff and now with the arena she that could be a factor too so it's just something to keep an eye on all right guys there's three matches announced for the extreme rules pay-per-view so far let's hit them quickly and then speculate on what else is coming up so the first one being Liv Morgan versus Ronda Rousey in an Extreme Rules match for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh. Whoa, all right, you want <laughs> Logan? The floor is yours. <laughs> I, I'm just tired of this rivalry. I'm tired of Liv being the champ. I'm tired of Ronda Rousey being around. So I, I'm just over this whole SmackDown Women's title feud and business. All all of it. I'm done with it. <laughs> I think it's a cute extension. It's been a cute extension to get us to extreme rules where Rhonda 
probably should take the throne back. Um, Logan, Liv has been okay at best. Um, she still, she still has that star power quality. She still has that likeness to her and she still has that like innocence. So there is a charisma there that is connecting, but it still feels forced and unfortunately in a way you get in there anywhere with your Jersey girl, Rocco. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, heel Ronda with the title is actually a little is not a bad idea at this point but it's like I'm so tired of her like it's such a unexciting second run for her that it's just I don't know um yeah I kind of uh, I'm kind of feeling uh, a little nebulous about my live feelings because I still think uh, there's something there but I I don't know the Smackdown side of stuff is really weird to me <laughs> it's like I don't know where else where are they going after this it's always like you still have raquel always in the wings where it's like you know that they want her to be the thing right so mm-hmm. where's the best way for her to do that i guess it would be to beat ronda so i don't know we've had her time she'll be in philly her ronda being a real uh real jerk to her would definitely uh put ronda as a super heel in that match i think so uh yeah i think it's kind of time i've enjoyed my live run but i think it's time I think it's time for Liv to kind of go somewhere else, do a little something different. Well, tag ski maybe um, would be cool. Her and someone else would be interesting to do. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, Ronda as a champion, even I don't even care that much about. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's, if 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 she's a heel champion, there's definitely potential there. Hey, three four months run for Liv is probably more than we expected. And at the end of the day, she has two victories over Ronda Rousey, fluky or not, and she's yep. the only woman in the world. To do that, so she can kind of lay her lay her jacket on that. But and like having her win a couple of matches, like beating uh, Shayna, like now it actually means something when she loses, yes. right? Like it actually means yeah. something. It wasn't just like oh, just a nothing uh, thing. So at least that was something. And and which which is going to do a lot for her in the future, hopefully. And hopefully coming out of this, she's able to kind of go up a tier or two, and just kind of withstand and maintain and get better as we go. And then next time she's around, this she might be a little more. I don't want to say deserving, but a little more ready, you know, so. And I'm I'm so not looking forward to Ronda talking this whole fucking match. Because, <laughs> you know, she's just going to be like, I'm going to break your arm. That yeah. shit that he always, she always does. And it's infuriating. <laughs> so so, <laughs> so on the on the theme of the women, um, Bailey's going to use her number one contendership at Extreme Rules against Bianca Belair. Now, honestly, this could be a 50. I would say Beck. Bianca is a little vulnerable here for Bailey to win. I don't think it'll be clean. I don't know if they're going to add a stipulation to it. It is extreme rules, so I'm sure they'll add something wonky to it. But I don't know. I, I, am I close to having 50-50 vibe, Rocco? Do you believe so or what? I don't think it's impossible. Yeah. I don't think it's impossible at all. But th- then you have the thing where do you go instant rematch? And then you have the thing where they have, like I said before, there's just so little depth that where does it like Bianca can't not be doing something. She's the biggest star on the roster pretty much with uh, Charlotte and uh, um, Becky being out. So now that she's not the champ, is she just chasing the champ? And how do you have a feud with her? And that's the biggest problem they have with the women's division is what do they do with people when they're not in a title feud? So that's the biggest issue of it's going to be scary. Like once she doesn't have the title, she's had it for so long. What does she do that is important enough for her to do like a John Cena when he didn't have the title? What, what was he doing? You know, like, it was always hard. They, they can never figure out what to do with him when he didn't have the title. So he always had the fucking title. So I think Bianca's going to be in that same uh, same boat 
So, uh, but I do like, you know, uh, Bailey getting a, a belt, but I don't know if 50 50 is the way I'm going. I'm still thinking Bianca's going to hold on to it a little longer. Logan? Yeah, I think I think uh, Bianca holds on to it on this one. Maybe if they have a second match eventually, maybe she'll take it and uh, kind of, you know, uh, you know, she cheats a little bit with uh, EO and uh, Dakota. So I, I think I think she holds on to it this time. But I, I could see Bailey winning this this one. Uh, but uh, I think I think Bianca will win. Yeah. So the the, the third match here is Matt Riddle. Versus Seth freaking Rollins in a fight pitch match. So this will be the third fight pit match. The first being Matt Riddle's last NXT match where he took on Timothy Thatcher. And then after that, Timothy Thatcher faced Tommaso Ciampa in a fight pit. So Triple H is bringing the fight pit to the main roster. And uh, it's if you follow the story so far, especially the story of the actual match where Rollins was able to get into Riddle's head, get him out of his element, and kind of just really keep him grounded and keep his and use his temper against him and get the advantage and the win and to kind of say, like, all right, I got the win. I'm over you. Get away from me, Matt Riddle. You know what I mean? So if you follow that story, the fight pit, this is more now Riddle's element. This is the perfect opportunity for Riddle to get a win in the second match of this feud. And this is a good... Dis, you know, I don't want to say distraction for Rollins to lose, but a good element for Rollins to lose to get us to the inevitable final match at either Saudi or Survivor Series, we assume. You know, we kind of gauge this as a three-match feud, but I like the the optics of the fight pit. And, uh, Logan, do you think that it will be as good as it was in NXT? And do you think that they should bring back the, the, the dark, dingy lights and make it look weird? <laughs> uh, they could do that, I guess. Um, I, I think it'll work on the main roster. I think Riddle's a guy that could make this match work, and Rollins is a guy that I think can pretty much make anything work. Uh, I've, I'm a big fan of fans, even though I know some some of some of us on here aren't. Um, but uh, I, I think I think this will be a good match. I think they'll pull it off. Um, I think it's a cool concept. Um, but I think this is a th- I think this is a chance to make Riddle really look like a badass uh, kind of killer. Because uh, he it kind of made him look like a dumbass in uh, in uh, Cardiff at at the Clash of the Castle because you know stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah I would say because uh, Rollins was shit talking him the whole time they basically insulting his family and then he just loses so you know uh, I think this is a I think this is a part where Riddle can really emerge and kind of have that killer instinct to him and uh, really kind of give it to give it to Rollins in this match. Rocco, would you? I know I'm not. You're not my biggest fan. Would you see me in the fight? <laughs> um, will you get your teeth knocked out in a weird manner like Timothy Thatcher did in that weird fight? Perhaps. To me? Perhaps if you don't hit like a fucking bitch. Well, if you hand them to Ew. me, I'll put them in some milk and I will protect them for you, and we'll go right to the dentist right after it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you're scrappy, right? Uh, I'll get down, bro. I'm not scared. <laughs> <laughs> Where I are you at on this? Up. I have seen him take out Grunberg, so I mean, I'm, that's not that's not hard, but you know, I have seen. That. I, I honestly don't remember how it happened, real quick. Like you guys brought it up a week ago, and I was like, oh shit, I kind of did, and I had a little remorse, but then again, I just that smiling look, oh, just, just like no, and then I, I turned red again. So I guess I turned red, and I just like, my I'm a righty. I guess I took him with my left hand and just like 
just pulled like a sweep wrestling move, and I realized that he was on the ground in the fetal position. I don't. I really don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, you double legged him pretty good. So <laughs> <laughs> all he did was look at me too. It was weird. Might be a hate crime. Yeah, maybe. But anyways, <laughs> enough of the nonsense. Rocco, fight pit. Are you ready for it? Are you excited? Do you think it works in the main roster? Yeah, it's something different, right? I'm different's always. Uh, I'm always down for something different. And uh, give me a new weird match, and I'm down. So yeah, give it to me. And like the biggest issue we had was why the fuck would Rollins have a fight with this guy again? Because he beat his ass clean, and he why I'm done. I beat you. And they kind of told a cool story. He wanted some gold. Riddle cost him some gold. So I'll fight you one more time, and I'll fight you in your match, and I'll beat your ass in your match. So. Real, it's real simple, right? Like, it's like he didn't need to fucking reinvent the wheel. A real simple story to make it make sense that he's like, I fucked you up, and I don't need to fight you, and now we, now here we are. So, I like the build to it. Yeah, very cool. So, those are the three matches announced three weeks out. I'm sure we're going to have to have plenty announced. Logan, do you have – which match do you suspect to be thrown on this card? Uh, I definitely think we finally get that uh, theory uh... – Gargano match. I think they'll throw that on there somewhere. Um, but th- outside of that, I- I'm I'm really struggling to come up with anything. Honestly, I'd I'd be interested to hear what Rocco has to say. Rocco, what do you got for matches to be thrown on there? Oh, interesting. I was thinking, I was kind of hoping for like maybe some. Huh. I-, I was kind of thinking in terms of like a guest, like a, a a guest a mystery partner match, and I'm not really sure exactly who I was thinking about it being. But I feel like. You need a little ECW in this match, right? So, like, I was kind of hoping that they do, like, a little, uh, the new version, the, the Triple H version, to maybe throw, like, an RVD in there or something with Riddle. I know this is not booking a match, but, <laughs> like, having Riddle, like, maybe, and RVD have some interaction. I really do, I, I don't know, I just kind of, I've been doing, a, I've been on a hardcore ECW vibe. It's my favorite promotion ever, pretty much. And, uh, so, them being there makes me want to see that. So, uh. I can't think off the cuff of what match I'd like to see, but I would like to see something like that, if that uh, answers your question in any way. I could definitely see you next to, uh, you know, the mother that taught her daughter how to suck dick in the ECW crowd, or, you know, sign guy, or or just Hawaiian shirt guy. I can definitely see you in that crowd, Rocco. Faith No More is one of my favorite bands, so I'd probably talk to <laughs> Faith No More guy a little bit more than others. But um, Oh, not the... Not the mother that taught her daughter how to suck dick, and not that girl. Oh God! <laughs> I don't know exactly what you're talking about. But, uh... You don't remember that Bubba Ray Dudley? Oh, you mean just date in Bubba Ohio? Say that? Yes. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I thought there was like an actual like shoot interview that you were talking about with someone. Oh yeah. Uh, we maybe should... James. Maybe James Mitchell will come back and lead Bray Wyatt in a in a Perhaps. faction. Perhaps give me the brawling brutes versus Imperium and some like street fight extreme rules nonsense and that would just be epic. All right guys, so that's what we got for the WWE side of things. Um on the NXT side of things, Ryan's thing of the week. kind of do the state of nxt 2.0 kind of came to a close um the uk definitely came to a close and we are kind of in a crossroads where um we're kind of on the same vibe as 2.0 but we're back to the white and gold and black ish 
logo, so I can... They're just kind of trying to make the old new again, but keep the same presentation, the same vibe. And honestly, I'm kind of here for it. Like, we're not going back to the color. I thought the 2.0 color totally worked. Um, We're bringing back the guardrails and the hockey rinks and the plexiglass. That's just nonsense. And the bad lighting. You know, I'm over and done that. And then just... I like keeping the logo. I, I think the logo w- works, especially with that gold trim with the white outlines, really cool. And then they still have aspects of the jizz. And uh, I know that makes Rocco happy. But um, in an abbreviation version, Logan, where are you kind of at? Where are we at with NXT, you know, right now? Like what's hot? What's not? Um, just kind of what's the vibe? I think they're getting kind of a holding period. I think they're still kind of trying to figure out how they're going to incorporate all these uh, UK guys. I mean, uh, last night they had Dragunov come back in, and he seems to going to be in the title match at Halloween Havoc with Breaker and uh, McDonough. So they're going to do a triple threat there. Um, I, I'm interested to see that. Uh, Carmelo Hayes obviously lost the uh, North American Championship and it was taken from Solo Sokoa who beat him. Uh, and they're going to have a ladder match at uh, Halloween Havoc. So I would like to see them kind of move away from Hayes there because I would like to see Hayes kind of go towards um, uh, Braun Breaker in the big title. Uh, I'd like to see them have a match because I'd like to see Braun work with a kind of smaller guy. And I think Hayes is about one of the best guys on, on the NXT roster right now. So I would like to see maybe him even beat uh, breaker i would I, I think that could be an interesting way to go with it because he could really be the the champion then so um you know i think mandy she's just kind of rolling you know she's getting better i think she's had some pretty good matches lately um i think the toxic other girls are kind of in a holding pattern because they're kind of on the main roster but they're kind of still with her so it's they're just kind of waiting on her to lose the title so they can go up so um, I, I think they're in kind of a holding pattern, but I, th- I think they're just trying to figure out how they're going to incorporate the UK side of things with what they have. So uh, I think it's a good positive direction, but I think it's kind of uh, middling a little bit right now. Yeah, I like the, the Axiom and Frazier, two out of three. That's good TV filler. It's a great way to present those two excellent wrestlers in a way. And I'm curious if it leads to um axiom turning kind of back to a kid because that's not really vibing as they kind of thought it may um i believe rossi's back rossi nxt's number one fan where are you at with it (laughs) um i don't know i've been watching it less the last couple weeks i mean the taped shows i'm not gonna watch just because you know i know the results and if I'm going to pick and choose my wrestling during the week, it's not going to be the shows that I know the results of. So um, that's where it's I, I hate when they do these tape shows, especially when, you know, I mean, I guess you're still a month away from the pay-per-view. So it doesn't really matter. Um, but it's just like they were just getting hot and then they changed the hot again, I should say. And they change the vibe to the yellow logo and then they go to tape for two weeks. It's just that the timing was weird. Um, I'm sure there was a reason for it, um, whether it's you know something with, you know, how they have to record or whatever. But um, I, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of moving parts and they're kind of just introducing everything. But like I fucking hated that Solo Sokoa stuff. Like I understood if you're going to get the title off, get the title on him to like have him do like a dual roster type of thing. But then like did they really just give him the title? So he had it at the press conference like that almost what it felt like um and like then they they do a tape show 
before they strip him of the title. So it was always the plan. So why did you give him the title to begin with? And then it's just now you're going to have a ladder match. So you're not going to have a champion on that side for like six weeks now. Um, that's that part's kind of wonky to me. Um, I mean, I guess it can go and kind of go to the whole reboot of everything. Um, Dragunov and JD being in the three-way with um, Braun makes it seem like Braun's going to lose the title. Um, but who knows? I mean, I almost feel like the more of these UK guys they bring over, the less Braun fits into what they're doing because it kind of seems like they're going back to that work rate style. It's not like Braun is bad but he's not going to be able to keep up when, when Dragunov gets going, you know what I mean? So um, I, I don't know. There's, there's some moving parts there. I want to get Mandy off of this show and on the main roster. I think she mm-hmm. should, she deserves it. Um, and ultimately I think they have enough women to support that at this point. Um, but they're just like this, this Roxanne and um, uh, Cora feud feels like it's going to go on forever, which, you know, as you guys know, I'm, I'm a big fan of both of them, but it almost seems directionless at this point. Um, and then like the shit to do it with Apollo with the eye, it's just not for me. Um, there's just, there's pieces of it that still feel 2.0 while they've got a roster that's closer to the old black and gold. So, I mean, it's, it's everybody uncomfortable and I'm sure there's like, I don't want to say language barrier with the UK guys, but there's like a mesh of styles. That's kind of weird. Um, but I'm excited for them to come back from, you know, these tape shows and then maybe that'll kind of feel like a restart at that point. Um, but I don't know. It's not been my favorite couple weeks of TV. Um, and you know, we'll see where they go with it, but, um, I don't know. I was hoping part of the 2.0 vibe I liked, right. Um, now we're kind of doing like a weird half and half and I hope it's, it works out. Um, and I trust triple H and, and Sean to kind of get there. Um, but it's just, I don't know. The last couple weeks have felt uninspiring for me to say the least. Yeah, holding pattern is kind of a good way to explain it. Rocco, where are you at with 2.0? Or NXT, excuse me. Uh, are you watching? Are you current? Where are you at? Yeah, I'm still watching it. Um, it, I think they probably taped the show because they're probably changing, like, the sets and stuff like that. So they probably had to, like, kind of, like, do it real quick and, like, change all that shit. Um, it, it's just interesting to me. I, also, like, I agree with you guys about Hayes because it's, like, it feels like Bronze on top, but it's definitely Carmelo Hayes' show, right? Like, he's, like, he's... He's like the most interesting guy that they have on that show. Um, um, it's just a, it's like the biggest question that NXT always has had is what the fuck is it like? And now it seems even stranger because like you have a, a a lash legend on the same show as like a Tyler Bate, and this is like <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like a fucking uh, yeah. like a youth softball team having uh, playing the Yankees on being on the same team as a guy in the Yankees. Like it doesn't like what is it? And it's I mean it's kind of cool because it's like a f- it's like a wild thing. You don't know what you're going to get. But the biggest issue is for them is like, can you do the super indie again? Because if you're going to bring in like, also, there's not a lot of super indie guys left on the indies because they all went to AEW. So like, I don't know if Joey Janelle is going to be showing up in 2.0 anytime soon. But like, what is I'm it? Here and, for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. But like, you're going to still have these super kind of newbie people on a television show, but also with these guys. So it's just an interesting time. It's going to be interesting to see how they handle it. So uh, I'm excited. Like anything like that, like it's like I like if it's going to be a car crash, you know, some, you know, you still look at a car crash, but it will be interesting to see how they do it. And that's the thing with call ups, too, because like you call up toxic attraction and that's wiping out a, a lot of talent. You know what I mean? On the show. So um, it, it would be interesting to see that universe integrate into the WWE universe more and have dudes who aren't doing a lot pop down there and do stuff, I think so. Uh, yeah, so I'm a, I'm a, I'm I'm very intrigued to say the very least. 
And we should do a retrospective on the one year of of uh, 2.0 one day and really go through it and see the highs and the lows. Yeah, I'll, I'll do the top five matches of 2.0 next episode. Oh, oh, that'll be my thing of the week. Spoiler. All right, but hey, real quick. So th- maybe this is why they had Solo take the belt, just kind of brainstorming and, and absorbing all your guys' thoughts and kind of taking it all in, just kind of digesting it and maybe spitting it out. So my feeling is maybe they um, – it was because it was shocking, right? Solo debuted. It was shocking for the live audience. It was shocking for everyone at home. And Carmelo as a character was shocked. So Carmelo w- lost because he was shocked. So it was kind of a safe way to get the belt off of him. Mm-hmm. And then maybe they just wanted to get the belt on for the optics for a, a week, for the introduction of Solo, for a presentation of Solo. And then NXT wanted the, and then Triple H and HBK felt that NXT needed the title back, so they just, instead of having Solo lose, they wanted to, you know, just strip him and then add a lore to the Halloween Havoc card coming up here next month, have qualifying matches for that big ladder match to, to crown the new NXT title. But the long and the short, safely get the belt off of Carmelo so he can eventually pursue Braun around what new year's evil or whatever the december pay-per-view will be now that war games is not a thing so maybe that was just a shocking way to get it off them in a safe way in another way so i don't know what say you i I think that's exactly what they were doing i think that's a safe way to get it off of carmelo uh you know he's kind of surprised that uh solo even showed up and especially that he was going to take him on so uh and i think it was a safe easy way to get the belt off carmelo but they don't you know, I, I sent a message to you, Ryan, earlier that like I, I don't want to I don't mean this as an insult or anything. But like if Solo is going to be North American champion on the main roster and he's beating main roster guys, even if he's just beating Madcap Moss and, you know, just lower. Lo, lo, I mean, when, I, I'm just saying just lower, lower undercard guys. Uh, and, and, you know, he's coming back and he loses to one of these measly NXT guys, you know. I, I, you, it might not just not be believable. So I think that was a it was a dumb but smart way to do it at the same time. Agree. And um, I'm glad well, you backed up on that bad Matt, Mad Mad Cat Moss slander. Yes. Yeah, Ryan, Ryan just NXT oh. logoed in his pants when you said Mad Cat <laughs> Moss. <huh? laughs> Full said, buddy. But um, honestly, if if he if he doesn't find a direction, he's not a bad cat or excuse me, not bad cat to throw down in NXT and let him find his footing. Yeah, that would be a good idea. But all right, that's kind of NXT where we're at the state of NXT. My thing of the week will be the top five matches of NXT 2.0. So um, I'll have to jump on that and get that ready for next episode. And of course, Rocco and Rossi, you're going to have to remind me when I bring something different to the table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Logan, you're the you know you're one of the biggest NXT fans I know. So you're being you being a guest of the host of the show, I figured it'd be the perfect time with a 2.0 ending to kind of just have a state of the union of NXT 2.0, you know, NXT yeah. in general. Makes sense for sure. Yeah, because we've just been honestly, we've been just breezing through it as of late in the last few episodes, just because it's just not the hot thing. And the WWE TV is just taking so much volume. And we're in between, like I said, we're in between the castle and extreme rules. So I don't know, it just felt like the best time. No, but, yeah, uh, I, think, I think it's definitely a good time to go, go into it. I, I appreciate that that was a thing you thought of. <laughs> for sure. It's, it's, it's really fast. There's really never been anything. And listen, I've been a wrestling fan for a long time. There's really never been anything like NXT, and it's a fascinating thing to watch it happen for, for 10 years now, right? Um, it's yeah, just, 12 years, actually. 12? Yeah. All right. 
Yeah. Oh, fuck 2022. <laughs> I know, <laughs> okay. I know what year it is. Um, but yeah, it's really just fascinating to think of it. And even like when you go back to like when FCW was a thing and, uh, it's fast. Like you, one day we're going to like think of all the talent that came through and how fast talent moved in. And at one point, the whole roster is going to be have you vibe NXT. You know, that's a triple H talking head thing, but it will be true one day, but enough rambling about NXT. And let's start oh. rambling about what Rocco wants to ramble on. What do you got for us? Hello. this weekend? I was just thinking, it's, uh, I thought about it real quick, so I'm going to ask you guys a question more so at the end, but with Logan Paul, and I was thinking about celebrity matches, and it's kind of funny when you think about celebrity matches in that they have been there since the beginning. So if people have a problem with them, they've been there since the beginning. It's the reason wrestle, It's the reason WWE exists is because of the first two WrestleManias were headlined pretty much by uh, celebrity matches, you know, so, and... You know, Mania 11 uh, was also headlined. So there's been three WrestleManias with a celebrity match in it. So, but, and I think about them and I just wonder, what do they do? Do they actually do anything? And like, how do you guys feel about it? Can it hurt stuff? And I know people like to say stuff exposes the business, which is a term I hear a lot of people use. Does it expose the business to have stuff like this? So, like, and just celebrities in general are important because if you think back of like, you want to compare like, Clash One and Mania Four. The uh, a Bob Euchre is a way better guest than uh, Jason Hervey and Leave It to Beaver, right? So like they do matter in terms of I think I think a lot of things with celebrity matches is it's a pretty much showing that you can get the celebrity, and I think that's a big Vince McMahon thing to legitimize his thing. So, um, but do they really help? Does does if The Rock comes onto The Rock's the biggest star in the world? If he has a match with Roman Reigns, does anyone give a fuck? Because people who don't watch wrestling either. But people who don't watch wrestling because they're stupid and they don't understand wrestling or they just don't care about wrestling aren't going to watch it just because The Rock's on wrestling again. If they wanted to, they, he's been back and done stuff and like they would subscribe to the network and watch his matches. So I don't really know where the cachet in it is other than saying you have them there. I don't know if it gets new listeners or not. I don't know if you have friends who come up to you and go, hey, I heard Bad Bunny is at this wrestling match. I'm going to watch them. I'm going to get the Peacock. Like, so. I don't know. Like, and if you leave wrestling, like if Ricochet was uh, rapping on a Doja Cat song, I'm not going to listen to that fucking song. <laughs> and, you know, does some like mom watching Regis and Kelly see John Cena, like, or whatever, uh, fucking Logan Paul, whoever, talking or, or Snooki <laughs> when she was in WrestleMania in a very underrated match, talking about it, like, are they going to get WrestleMania? So I don't really know why it exists. So it just was uh, curious in my brain thinking about it. Um, I do want to know, like, do you guys like it? What's your favorite one? To me, the most important one is obviously uh, one. My favorite is LT and Bam Bam Bigelow. Oh, that's fine. And Yeah. Yes. And I think that one is more important because it came at a time where they were down. And it came at a time where, like, the Bad Money matches are fine. and But they're they're very rehearsed matches, right? You could you just know from watching enough wrestling, you know that that's a thing that was a, a scripted play. But an LTBBB match, like, that's that's wild. And just the, the feel of that. And it makes sense to have it. It was on the East Coast and stuff like that. So, I don't know. Tell me your favorite ones. I guess technically Ronda, Kurt, Triple H, and Steph was a celebrity match because she wasn't in the company yet. But I won't even count that one. But, yeah. So, do you think they help? Do you think they do anything? I mean, they're a part of wrestling. If you don't like them, then you don't like wrestling. Because they've been a part since wrestling started. At least the WWE started, you know? So, uh, I don't know. Talk to me about your, your thoughts and uh, ideas on uh, celebrity matches. I think there's their place for them. You know, I think that 
I don't want to see him on every pay-per-view or every Raw and the Raw as the celebrity guest host had its benefit in a way, actually, too, where, you know, coming out of the Benoit tragedy, they were able to just throw celebrities out there to be like, hey, we're user friendly. You know what I mean? So I get that aspect of it. I get the aspect of using the rocks to try to get a lapsed fan back. Um, if you're a Bad Bunny fan and you're, you're like a Bad Bunny completist in a weird way, as we're like wrestling completists in a way. So if your wrestler is on a whatever Jimmy Campbell, you're going to watch the YouTube clip, right? If you're a Bad Bunny completist, if you're a Logan Paul completist, you're going to tune in and see what he, it's all about in a way. So there's definitely some value there. And even if it, they're grabbing a percentage of the fans and they're watching just for that match, they're still watching wrestling. You know what I mean? And if they grab a percentage of the fans that just be like, hmm, maybe I'll just get into the habit of watching this again. It's also target to the lapse fan, too. So I think there's a market for it. But I definitely think that it can become over saturated and like over hyped and under delivered in a way too. for instance like Tyson Fury versus Ron Strowman that's probably the worst one uh the my favorite most famous one would probably be WrestleMania 11 like you just uh, mentioned as a kid I was definitely into that like even Pamela Anderson at Royal Rumble 95 that was fucking huge on a low you know they seem to go to the well when the star power is a little low historically on the WrestleMania anyways and um Bring even Pam Anderson, you know, the most downloaded woman in the world and Playboy Playmate of the world or whatever, and just watching her come in. That was super memorable as a kid, too. So oh, I'm here for it. I just I'm weary of it when it gets oversaturated and loses its effect. Yeah, I, th- I think it definitely has its place um, as far as The Rock is concerned. I think that would have a would bring a lot of people in just because I feel like somebody like my brother, my brother watched it when he was younger. He was a teenager. He watched it during the attitude era kind of fell off when it left the attitude era. I think somebody like that, like a lapsed fan that like, uh, like Ryan was saying would hop back if like the rock came in now, as far as a Logan Paul, a bad bunny. Um, I don't know that a lot of people are going to go out of their ways if, they weren't at one point a wrestling fan, not necessarily those two, but just anybody throughout the past. If they were a Money Mayweather fan, I don't think they're just going to buy WrestleMania 24 because he's fighting the big show. So I, I, as far as I think if it's a former wrestler that maybe happened to become a celebrity, so maybe if Cena it comes back eventually after he's acted in a bunch of movies, um, if he comes back this year and uh, fights uh, Gunther like maybe we were talking about earlier – uh, that that could that could bring people back, but I don't think it's necessarily bringing in those fans that are fans of Logan Paul, uh, mostly because those are teenage girls, and I don't think a lot of teenage girls like wrestling. So, um, but uh, I, I think they definitely have their place. A lot of them have been good. I do. I am a bit, big fan of that LT Bigelow match. Um, I think Floyd and Big Show was well worked. That one was really well worked. I think you know as much as. We all don't like Trump. I think that that part of that match was really well done. Uh, that whole Battle of the Billionaires thing, I think that was a good little storyline, and the match actually ended up being pretty good. Uh, and I was at the Bad Bunny match. I thought it was really great. I thought he did a really good job. So I think they have a higher hitting percentage than they don't. So um, I think they have their place. I don't know that they're necessarily great at bringing new fans in if it's not somebody that was like previously – involved in wrestling so but they definitely are good for the most part so i enjoy them so i think about like how 
you know, you look at like a Mania 22 that was under a million buys, and then Mania 23 has just by having Donald Trump on it and that match with with Vince, now you're back over a million. So then they're like, well, screw it, let's keep this rolling, and they go to Mayweather the next year. I mean, does 23 and 24 have a shot at a million without those two celebrities? You know what I mean? Especially when you did 975 or so, I think it was, at 22, which was a better show uh, than the other than the other two would have been without, you know. So And they would the, try to make you rock at 25. You know? Yeah, which, you know, that was whatever. But luckily they had uh, Taker and Sean on that one. So, um, But in, in looking at everything, too, like the Peacock era, think of – Think of how many people bought the WWE Network, right? It was probably at their peak, like, what, one and a half million or something like that. Maybe they pushed the two when they did the free gimmick um, around the manias. But now you've got, like, I think Peacock, I haven't looked at the numbers in a while. I know they, they hemorrhage money, but they they have, like, 28 or 30 million um, login, login subscribers because a lot of, like, cable companies give it out for free. So you think about a celebrity now and, like, if I'm – not a wrestling fan, but I'm a bad bunny fan. And I see him on a poster when I'm scrolling through Peacock, then I might make that appointment viewing. You know what I mean? Or if I'm a 15 year old kid that follows all of Logan Paul's stuff and I see a crown jewel poster, well, maybe that's something I'll watch at 2 PM on a Saturday. So I definitely think the value of it's kind of changed as we've kind of changed how we, we consume wrestling when before it was okay. I had to, pony up money to see this wrestler to see this celebrity wrestle um or i have to pony up money to um you know see donald trump now it's like i already have this product so shit i'll watch logan paul wrestle i don't know who this guy's wrestling is but maybe i will after i watch it um and that's where you know now you see wwe they're like Every year, this is the most watched SummerSlam ever. This is the most watched WrestleMania ever. That doesn't necessarily relate to them making money, but there's more people that can potentially have access to it than have ever happened before. So I think they've been very smart with the way they've done the celebrities now. And, I mean, even Bad Bunny, when he was unadvertised, at that point, he was a cool unadvertised spot in the Rumble because he had so much equity with the wrestling fan because he was so fucking awesome at that WrestleMania match, right? So now you have guys like Logan Paul under contract. You only use them four or five times a year. You're going to get more people watching those shows um, because, you know, you've got those 14, 15-year-old kids whose parents have it for free with their Comcast subscription. So, yeah, they'll watch it. Um, And then I also think of, like, like I think when AEW did it with Shaq and um, like introducing Jade Cargill that way, I thought that instantly made Jade Cargill look like a bigger star than she ever was as a nobody. Um, so there's definitely smart ways to do it, and I feel like um, you know a, we talk about AEW with guys like Action Bronson and stuff like that. Like those guys aren't going to move business, but like Shaq on TNT when he can advertise it on on his NBA shows, like that's smart. So there's there's definitely a smart way to do it, but it's so much different how it's done now versus how it was done in the past. And how they do it now is to gear towards that younger audience because that's their their lapsed crowd. That's their people that don't watch the show now, and you're trying to hook them in. So it's a different way to do it. When it was Trump and Mayweather, that's for the older crowd. So um, I, it's interesting to see how it's changed over the years and how it's kind of pivoted to go a different direction. You know, and we're not in a monoculture anymore where everyone's watching the same thing. So there's so much information out there to watch that stuff. Do, it does kind of could get lost in the ether that you kind of it, it, it goes away as soon as it happens, which is just a, it's just how culture is right now. But has you, have you guys ever being a wrestling fan had a 
non-wrestling fan, straight up not a Lops fan, come up to you and say, oh, my God, I, Snooki is at WrestleMania. Has it ever permeated to the outside culture that you heard back from a relative or a friend? I, I'll I'll speak on this one first. Uh, at SummerSlam weekend, we were at a bar, and we were we we were talking to these two British girls that we just happened to hang out with, and we mentioned that we were going to SummerSlam, and the first thing that came out of our mouth was like, "Oh yeah, the thing that Logan Paul is in." So I actually had a very recent experience with that. So yes, that is a thing. So it does work. All right. Well, good. Yeah, and yeah. I feel like also an action Bronson thing makes sense in a like as a promoting a town because he's from that area. So I feel like he may have sold a ticket or two, but probably didn't make, isn't going to make more people watch on rampage, but you never know. So uh, there is different ways to do it. And that's the thing that, you know, that could, once again, celebrities are so intrinsic and ingrained in wrestling that like every indie show used to have the mayor of the town show up or, you know, a fucking random DJ. So that is, it is just so entwined into wrestling that like, you know, it, it's it's I'm not I'm not saying I dislike or like them. I just was curious about your guys thoughts. Uh, I just think that they're so ingrained in it that anyone who has a problem like Dave Meltzer not rating the Johnny Knoxville match like a fucking asshole is a moron. So I'm here for him. I, I enjoy it. And for the most part, it's seems to hit more often than not just because the WWE seem to be bringing in celebrities that want to be there now instead of celebrities like Pam Anderson and like yada yada like kim kardashian at wrestlemania 24 that have like someone else publicist signed them up to do it because there was an extra zero on the paycheck you know what i mean so they seem to be in in bed with the right people celebrity wise nowadays so uh all right well let's hit the home stretch rossi indie corner what you got for us let's go home buddy world that's kind of really come to a head the last couple weeks since we have last recorded um but before i get into that um last time we, we were here uh, for episode seven we talked about how our friend rocco was attending a, a jersey championship wrestling show um i watched most of the show i mean it was a pretty wonky show um it was called uncensored that i think that was the idea was to be wonky and they really only i think ran it because it was opposite icw big icw show a couple towns over um but how was the live experience for you what matches caught your attention and were there any like breakout you know performances for you that make, make makes you want to maybe seek out some people you had never really followed before as matches in the future yeah, okay, that's uh, interesting. I mean, one of the the standouts, and once again, I haven't been to a live indie show in a little bit, a few years, and just I forgot the sounds and the, the environment of a, a forearm hitting a chest and a chair shot and how just incredible that experience was. And GC, GCW runs a, a tight ship. That show flew the fuck by. There was not a chance. I had to pee so fucking bad, and I could not get a goddamn minute to go. Um, one of the coolest parts that I think anyone, uh, like I said, I was an ECW guy, was there's a guy called Cole Radrick, who uh, was in a GCW Extreme title match and came out to New Jack's theme, and it played the entire match, and they had he came out with a garbage can, and it was a pure New Jack brawl. That was super fun. Um, 
Joey Janela is just a really good wrestler. He's just really good at fucking wrestling, man. Like he gets it. He gets everything about it. He, him and Beastman, who's a wild dude who comes out with a big bone, had a really fun body slam match with the perfect blend of like crazy shit and humor and drama to the match. I really enjoyed that. Uh, <laughs> Mike Bailey came out. He had some ninjas fighting him. It was a crazy tag with uh, Los Machizos and a um. Uh, I mean, maybe I'm a little on brand here, but uh, a Sawyer Wreck is really an interesting wrestler, and Masha Slamovich as well. The two women on the show really had really cool matches and really had a lot of presence, and uh, I uh, really enjoyed seeing them live for the first time. And uh, yeah, just a really fucking fun show uh, live. I don't know what it translated to. Uh, the Slade Mance Warner thing was a cool little opening barbed wire match. I hadn't seen a barbed wire match live in a long time. Um, it was a little crazy when uh, Hoodfoot came out with a knife and tried to stab Slade. <laughs> he had a steak knife. It was a little wild. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the old uh, 80-year-old dude behind the bar selling $5 buds uh, was definitely a little taken aback by that one. But real fun show and uh, definitely going to check out some more Sawyer Wreck in the uh, future and Slamovich as well. Yeah, Sawyer Wreck's uh, crazy for sure. Um, all of her matches are pretty nuts. So. So cool stuff. Thank you for that. So um, now talking about the crazy world of professional wrestling, um, let's talk about the deathmatch scene and how the deathmatch scene has really gotten kind of ugly in the last couple of, of months. So not that it's ever been pretty, but it's become a lot of interpromotional hatred towards each other at this point. And, and you hate to see that shit in wrestling. So, uh, hey, I'm going to expose some of it right now. So fuck them. So um Basically, you know, we've seen WWE's had drama over the last couple of months with the Vince stuff. AEW's had drama with their their uh, you know executives starting shit with their their own wrestlers and champions. Um, but you know, there's two other beefs going on in wrestling that don't get talked about as much. And uh, the first one's XPW against ICW No Holds Barred. So timeline here. ICW um, established a new home venue for themselves at the Hart Ballroom in Newark, Newark, New Jersey earlier this year. Um, really cool venue. Like they've kind of they used to run the um, not the Worcester White Eagle, but the other White Eagle in um, Jersey City. Um, but I think they kind of got run out of there for one reason or another. Or I don't know, maybe it was just too big of a venue. I don't know. But overall, now they need a new venue. They're at the Hart Ballroom. Um, now, XBW is a promotion that was, you know, big in the late, you know, 20, 2008, 2009 range run by a guy, Rob Black, um, just kind of the ultimate utmost carny when it comes to indie wrestling. Um, Brought XPW back at the end of 2021, ran a show in um, Rochester, New York, started offering contracts to wrestlers, which I thought was interesting. Like He ended up coming down with a deal with Schlock of some sort, which is a lot to do with why Schlock stopped showing up in GCW. Um, so then Rob Black brought this stuff to California, mostly ran shows in Pomona over the last six months. Um, he did run Rochester, New York again in May of this year. Um, and then... ICW announced its debut show in L.A. in the middle of August, so the, the show is going to go down sometime in November. Um, this apparently pissed off XPW, so 
Um, like, how how dare you bring deathmatch wrestling to California? Just this stupid carny bullshit that shouldn't be around wrestling at this day and age. And I mean, I mean I'm an ICW guy. I like Danny Demanto a lot, who runs that show. So I am going to obviously take his back on this one. But I mean, it's hard not to with some of the bullshit that XPW pulls here. So on Saturday, August 27th, uh, Schlack was supposed to work the ICW Pit Fighter tournament that was up here in Boston. A uh, day of the show, he was pulled. Um, he said he had an injury. He said it wasn't related to anything promotion-wise. Um, but I think that Danny completely disagreed with that, and he thought that it was XVW that pulled him, um, which, you know, I don't think it's ever come to fruition that that was 100% the case, but it sounds like that was 100% the case. So um, it pissed off ICW, and they ended up pulling Schlock off of all their future shows until, you know, they all got their shit together. Um, so then that night that we just referenced when um, Rocco was over at, G- at JCW, um, they ran a show at the Heartball Room, which was kind of a culmination of like almost a year long storyline with uh, Casey Kirk, who's been undefeated in 2022, got her first you know real crack at the American Deathmatch Championship against Joel Bateman, who's an Aussie that's just a killer deathmatch wrestler, real clean with everything he does with it. She won the title and it was a really cool moment for the promotion and kind of was something that they were building up for quite a while. And um, five days before that, though, XPW announced their own show at the Hart Ballroom for November 12th. So they stepped directly in ICW's territory. Um, And I mean, I don't think ICW and Danny really like were giving the venue shit for it. But I mean, the venues are trying to make money, too. Right. But it was the same day ICW had a show scheduled in Houston, Texas. So. You know, some people were saying, oh, XPW had reigns to do it, yada, yada, yada. But it's just, again, kind of like, you know, they only did it to piss them off. And it just seems like that's the, they keep going, th- uh, throwing counter punches at each other. Uh, earlier this this week, ICW canceled the, that Houston show. And then they announced they would be re- returning to New Jersey for a show in Westville, New Jersey on the same day, November 12th. Um, and they used the headline and announcing it. Well, you wanted a war, you got one. Uh, so Westville is like 90 minutes away from, but that's still interesting because I think the idea is there is to try to hurt that XPW show. Um, and ever since then, XPW started announcing their main event, which is Necro Butcher against PCO. Um, like, does anybody really want to see that in 2022? Um, whatever. Um, but um, so what further makes this day interesting is GCW is running their Nick Gage Invitational Deathmatch Tournament in Chicago that same day, which is November 12th. So. You're going to have the three biggest deathmatch promotions in the U.S. kind of all doing their thing, and, and uh, two in New Jersey, one in Chicago. So the rosters will be thin on those days, I think. You'll see people get some shots. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes up. Now, GCW themselves, they've never been devoid of drama. Um, so this is going to kind of be you know, the next step in the feud with Circle Six. So Circle Six is kind of an upstart promotion. Um they have they were pretty much known over the last couple of months as the company that brought Zach Wentz back um, to, you know, indie wrestling. Um, and they, they've had some really good shows. They, they've kind of been touring all over the country. This guy that runs them, Mike Gavorgian, really um, you got some money. This guy, I think he's uh, he pretty much used to run GCW's merch um, and he had a pretty ugly split with GCW. Um, he then said, well, fuck you, then I'm going to start my own wrestling company. And he did. Um, and right. He started right going for contracts of for people with GCW guys. Um, Atticus Koger was the first one to sign a deal. Um, and there's kind of a famous story now that Atticus showed up at GCW in Atlantic City one day and told Brett Lauderdale, who runs GCW, that he was out of GCW after the show. And then Lauderdale pulled him off the show that day and replaced him and never paid him for the job. And a lot of it came back to apparently parts of Atticus Koger's 
stable, which was 4-4-0 with uh, Ricky Shane Page and the Bev and um, Eric Ryan and them. Apparently, some of them didn't get paid from their experience at the Hammerstein Ballroom. So that kind of pissed off Koger. And that was kind of when the, the Circle Six War really got crazy because rumor and innuendo out there on the streets is that Nick Gage had come to an agreement with Circle Six. Um, and because the guy Mike was running their M, his MDK wear line that they had a website for, they did shirts with like Dickinson and some of the other deathmatch guys as well. Um, and apparently, they had a rumored deal lined up for the MDK where at hot topic, um, which obviously would have been a big lucrative deal for everybody involved. Um, but before they were able to announce that they had all these shirts printed for gauge to kind of to start distributing to hot topics, GCW swooped in and signed gauge and brought him back at the Hammerstein show. And that started the war that was already ugly, just made it worse um, over the last few months. Since then um, there's been a lot of attempts for these two promotions to one up each other. Um, you know, between GCW trying to get some of their live event feeds cut and getting them taken off a fight to Circle Six trying to run similar venues to GCW. Um, it's just, again, back to that carny bullshit that just isn't necessary. Um, and a lot of it, I feel like, just could have been avoided if people, you know, held true to their promises and held true to agreements they made with people and, and things of that nature. And, you know, I, I'm not, I never really blame a ton of wrestlers in this situation because they're going to obviously run where the money is. But overall, it just kind of puts a black black cloud over everything in the indie world. And, you know, it's, it's going to have residual effects on people that aren't even involved in this bullshit um, because then people are going to be, you know, canceling bookings and do this because they're contracted to it. It's just like contracts and in indie wrestling just don't seem to be where they should be. Um, now, Circle Six has actually since then made come to an agreement with IWTV um, and, you know, Atticus Koger is their, their new champion. They just crowned that a couple weeks ago in a, in a pretty killer ladder match that uh, Wentz and RSP were in. Um, so we'll see where they go. Um, I think them being on IWTV is a really smart move for them because exposure has been great for Danny and ICW and I, IWTV. So um, I hope it all works out for everybody involved. And I hope that the people that have really instigated all this bullshit over the last six to nine months, um, you know, kind of see the light and they cut the shit, but, we know that the names involved, they won't. So it is what it is. Um, so speaking of IWTV, um, Beyond's back. Um, beyond, a little Beyond, just kind of keeping their nose out of this bullshit for once. Um, they, they've been able to put their next big show together, which is their annual beach show um, down in, in um, Narragansett Beach. Um, that is, or Mesquamacan Beach, I'm sorry, um, at Patty's Beach Club. Um, the card has come together pretty well for that. They just asked, they just added uh, Masha Slamovich in which was a match against Trisha Dora, which I don't think that was on the original run of the show, so they must have come to that lately. Um, some other matches on that. Um, Gnarls Garvin makes his Beyond debut against Tyree Taylor. Uh, the Tender Weapon, who is um, Tracy Williams, obviously, in the um, – Ryan, you laugh because you saw that shit. Um, against Channing Thomas with Sidney Bacabella. Um, there's a there's a six-person six match that Trisha Dora was originally going to be in, but that was changed. Um, Rex Lawless and Ryan Gallion, who had a killer Rana match, have a tag match against the Brick City Boys. Um, and then we'll see the ultimate payoff of the end of American Rana with uh, Waves and Curls and Willow Nightingale against the Miracle Ones. And will Alec Price and Becca keep their budding romance or break up together? Um, they're going to wrestle the Shook Crew. So that'll be interesting show. Those beat shows are always funny and wacky all at once. And just wrapping it up, um, what 
the other shit going on and beyond is the Restival was announced um, running Thursday the 29th, Friday the 30th, and Saturday the 31st around New Year's, all here in Worcester at the White Eagle. Um, they got ICW to come up, so ICW is going to run the Eagle for the first time. That'll be cool. Um, Wrestle, Wrestle or Prestige Wrestling out of California is going to run a show in Worcester too, which I think is really cool. Be interesting to see if they book uh, Speedball for that match or for that show. I'm assuming GCW will run Atlantic City. On, on, they've done that the last few years to kind of try to cuck beyond again back to the wrestling bullshit. Um, so we'll see, you know, how that runs the Prestige's card, but. Prestige typically puts a good show together. We'll see how that goes. Uh, Pro Wrestling Grind, who's a West Western Mass promotion, and uh, Ryan's favorite Pizza Party Wrestling, all join the rest of them. And uh, they just announced Limitless will come down from Maine as well. So all of these all uh, mostly IWTV promotions that you know are going to be a part of you know the fully streamed festival. The three days around new year's in Worcester and they skipped out on new year's day this year, which I think was a good idea. They did shit attendance with that day last year. So that's a little different vibe around the indie corner, but you know, next time we will be talking about the vaunted Nick gauge versus John Moxley match going down for GCW, which is the same weekend as extreme rules. So we'll be previewing that a little bit as we preview extreme rules in a couple weeks. Um, which is, you know, the result of that match seemed to kind of probably lean towards Gage winning. Um, but we'll see what happens now that John Moxley is the um, AEW champion again. Maybe there'll be some some politics involved in how that match ends. It's tough to get out of a, a career match, but we'll see what happens. So we will talk about that in a few weeks, and we'll see what other bullshit happens in wrestling in the indie world between now and then. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, that, as we wind down here... Um... If you have not listened yet, you might have to check me out on This Week in the NFL. I do a hard one hour with the motto on the week two happenings, and we take a a quick preview of the week three. And spoiler, I'm going to be on next Tuesday, too. So uh, I'm filling in for the Cowboy and Senior as they go to, uh, I guess, abroad. Uh, Logan, what do you got going on in your part of the woods? Uh, on the no so feed here, I've got the seven months of danger pod. We're going through the dangerous alliance storyline, uh, kind of from the beginning. We're going through the for, really the formation right now, and they really just kind of uh, in the last episode that we covered that I think comes out this Sunday as we're recording this. Um, they really come come together on that episode, and from there we'll kind of build throughout that storyline and uh, go through the whole the whole thing. So I'm um, really enjoying doing that one right now. But uh, and you that's said what, the fourth episode, so you four, can, uh, yeah, the episode four will be coming out Sunday. Yes. So that's forever evergreen, and you you don't have much to catch up on there. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, Rocco, you do any uh, ancillary podcasts, and where where can we find you? I wasn't booked, just like uh. <laughs> That is stamp. You're not booked. I am not booked for anything, but um, I'm having a good time uh, living life without a microphone in front of my mouth occasionally. So yeah, it's a. Uh, I don't know why I started to say something like I had a thought. No, I'm good. <laughs> any bands? Wait, wait, any any uh any bullshit coming up with the band? Yeah, we got some shows that sh- <laughs> the November 12th that Mike mentioned. I have a show that night, so I won't be going to any of those million shows in New Jersey. So, um, yeah, I'm just uh we're. Uh, we're we're recording new music right now and writing new music, so it's a it's a it's a process of hanging out and uh, just playing the same song a million times, which is not the most fa- my favorite part of being in a band, but it's a, a necessary evil. Cool. And Rossi, what about your end? Anything going on in the woods that you live in, Massachusetts? 
No, I don't got shit going on. Just working. It's iPhone season for me, so I'm busy as a dog. Um, but, you know, the college basketball schedule's out uh, for the most part for us Big East uh, bozos up here. So um, I got to have to uh, hook up with Reese soon and, and get a little college basketball preview before the season starts at the beginning of November for uh, all you no-so freaks. So uh, we had a lot of fun doing the tournament with that last year. So I'm going to have to hit him up and see uh, when he's got some time to record that as we push towards the end of uh, October. But no, I mean, I, I liked your NFL show. I listened to it to today, man. I love that fucking tomato. I'll tell you that much. He's a legend. He is a legend. All right, guys. Well, if, uh, check out all our stuff here on the No-So, and we'll catch you on episode nine. Later, guys. Later.